Good morning. Welcome on in on this Tuesday morning, January 25th. Thanks for joining us. We are in the heart of the NBA season right now. It's all about the NBA. We still got football. Football will be coming on in the weekend for sure. We'll be talking about football. The conference title games with the winner obviously going to the Super Bowl two weeks later. Yeah, still still thinking about what we saw two days ago. Was just unbelievable. Really, three days ago, when you factor in the weekend, and Saturday and Sunday, NFL at its best. Playoff action really, really gets me going. It doesn't really matter the sport now. The more popular the sport, the more I like the sport. Obviously, it's going to get me even more excited. And I was so pumped up for the NFL. I said it earlier that it's all about the NFL in the playoffs. I think they got the best playoff season that they that anybody could have now, probably have some bias because it's right now. But anyway, that's what I think, and I'm PK. DJ's off today. Thanks for listening to us. We'll have Riley Jensen coming in in about an hour. Didn't want him to get up so early. He's, I want to ask him some stuff. He's going to have some stuff about college football, what, uh, what do we expect Jackson Dart to do, the transfer, kid who went to Roy and then Corner Canyon. I believe he's going to Old Miss. I believe that's what he's told some people particularly people who've told me that's what he's told them. <laughs> so, yeah, I buy that. And we'll see whenever he's ready to make his announcement. Obviously, that's what it'll be. But BYU will be fine there with their quarterback situation for sure. They've got some players, namely Jaron Hall. He is going to be really good. The big thing for him is can he stay healthy? If he can stay on the field, he will take care of business. There is no doubt about that. And I know, speaking of BYU coaches, they're extremely excited about having the opportunity to work with him next year. They believe that he has NFL potential. And they know what they're talking about. They know what an NFL quarterback is all about, don't they? Yeah, I think they do. So I believe them when they say that. It's just for him staying healthy. And that's just where it's got to be. That's the most important thing. I don't know who the backup quarterback's going to be. Baylor Romney announced his intentions to leave. I'm not sure it's Conover. I don't know that he's got the job won. I don't necessarily believe that. I think they'll have a competition. We'll see uh, who does better in spring ball and then in training camp. But that'll wait. We'll discuss the the dart decision. The dart decision is imminent, obviously. BYU were somehow to get him. That would be massive. I don't think it's going to happen. I believe he's going to Old Miss to play for Lane Kiffin, where he can get out on the field basically virtually immediately as far as that goes. I think that's exactly what will happen. So we'll see how that develops. The Jazz had the game last night. You saw it, didn't you? Did you watch it? I know I did. Yeah. I was underwhelmed about the uh, opportunity for them to win, given the fact that literally every starter was out. This is crazy, man. This is twice in the span of a few weeks, and Joe Ingles didn't play. So if you go by Clarkson as the sixth man, Ingles as the seventh man, six of your top seven out, it's like a common occurrence now. I know there's circumstances involved, but man, this is the game is so dramatically different than what it used to be, isn't it? I mean, obviously the way they play is different with the amount of threes, but going back. It's not that long ago where you knew who was going to play and he played every every game, basically, did what they were supposed to do. And here, not just one, but multiple starters out all the time. 
No, it's not the same guys who are out all the time, but it seems like somebody's out all the time. I guess uh, if you get together and have a run in the postseason, doesn't really matter. Maybe it matters to the people who are paying the tickets to go watch him play. That doesn't include me, so it's not coming out of my wallet. <laughs> I'm not disappointed. If I were, if I was paying, I would be disappointed. But anyway, without all those guys, Jazz put up a good fight, obviously. Losing 115 to 109. Suns were without two starters themselves. Crowder and Aiton. I said I told DJ earlier, man, this Biz, uh, Biombo for uh, the Suns. Pick him up off the scrap heap. 16 points, 13 boards in 31 minutes. And that's pretty good production. Obviously, Chris Paul and Booker are the best guard combination in the league. Am I missing anybody? Anybody jump out at you? I mean, they had a combination of 60 points, 17 assists, 16 boards. Uh, played big minutes. Chris Paul playing 40 minutes. Now, they come to Salt Lake tomorrow. We'll see how that goes. We'll see who's available for the Jazz. Who's playing there? I don't know. We'll find out who might be eligible in terms of health to be able to get out on the floor. Hopefully, it's everybody. I don't know if that's going to be the case. Mitchell with his concussion protocol and Gobert with the calf strain. Now, they say Bogdanovich can have uh, the finger issue, but that he can play through it. Hopefully, man. And I, I guess maybe uh, just get to the all-star break and recalibrate at that point. I mean, the guys who played, got to like uh, them getting an opportunity. Pascal continues to impress me, doesn't he? I think he does, yeah. I think he's got some talent there. And uh, he's got some energy that he provides, some hustle. You know, he didn't start 25 minutes, 14 points, four boards. He's certainly got muscle. He's got a thick body, doesn't he? I think he does, yeah. A house, the newcomer gave him a little bit of a lift. And Trent Forrest, man, 17 points, six assists. And I think that's valuable. I think that's the number one thing that's the most valuable in all this situation here with all these guys in and out of the lineup is that he's getting an opportunity. And he ought to now be able to have some good confidence to when he's called upon. Because he will be called upon at some point when it really, really matters that he should be able to know, okay, I found a little spot in this league. He's developed under Quinn Snyder and this staff. Good for him. Good for them. And finding a player, I thought he looked good. You know, the odd thing is you had House and Gay and Whiteside as the starters up front with uh, Clarkson and Forrest in the backcourt. And Gay, House, and Whiteside, all were, each of them, were four of nine from the field. That's odd, isn't it? So the Suns go down. And I should say the Jazz go down. I was going to say the Suns, they rise, man. As they go to 37-9, and nine. Jazz are now like eight games. In fact, they are eight games behind the Suns. Kiss the good best record in the league goodbye. It doesn't matter. I understand that. Everybody's quick to point out they had it last year, and it didn't matter. I get it. But I don't have them at fourth or fifth, which is where they are right now. They're in fourth, and Dallas is charging, man. Ten of their last 12. We'll see how that plays out. All right. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. And when we talk to him, 
Talk to him about uh, some crazy things that he's seen, big foul discrepancies, how do you handle losses, all that type of stuff, which is just, gosh, it's tough because we saw that the football team's devastating losses and all that. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280, The Zone. Our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland, is joining us. Steve Cleveland's weekend interview with DJ and PK is brought to you by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agriculture, irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. Steve, uh, DJ's off. Jay Scott, who is our jazz uh, radio guy, is joining us. Uh, so, first off, good morning. Good morning. And I want to get into something that's a little bit different today with you. And I know you can speak to this because I know you've been there. Um, I saw Bobby Hurley got suspended coaching at ASU. And they played at Stanford over the weekend. And the foul discrepancy was a free throw, not fouls, but free throw discrepancy. Stanford shot 41 and the Sun Devils shot nine. And including with one second to go, they called a foul on ASU with the score tied. And the Stanford guy made all three. So they lose the game. I can recall a couple of times. I, I think it might have been the Cable Car Classic. You guys were playing at, at Santa Clara. I don't remember who you were playing. I don't think it was Santa Clara, but I don't remember. And the foul discrepancy was so nuts that you looked like you were going to burst. And Dave Rose did burst. He ended up getting a technical foul in that game if I remember but 41 to 9 if you're on the 9 end of that 41 to 9 what are you thinking as a coach you know I have been in those situations and it's really frustrating uh what is going on and 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 there's times you know I mean I coach enough games to know if we're not attacking the basket and we're playing soft that you know those things can happen sometimes but you know what officials are human and, uh, and, and it's, it's, I'm not saying officials have agendas or they got something out for you. You feel that way sometimes, especially, in, and usually those things do happen on the road more than at home. But it, it, it is frustrating. And I think what you have to really concern yourself with is, is the players because they have, they're the ones that are playing. I mean, and I, and I, I have, I mean, I, I didn't get thrown out of a bunch of games or anything, and I didn't get a lot of technicals. But when I did get technicals, it, it, you know, it was really clear that I was upset and that I felt that we, that we were being taken advantage of. And so I do believe that coaches have to stand up for their teams. You know, and I do believe that a technical once or twice or three times or whatever, it, it is not a big deal. But you have to protect your guys. And with it, the thing that irritates me in those kinds of situations is just be consistent. And, and that's what happens when you start watching games is you go – Man, they're getting every call. Well, they're going north south. They're always you know they're attacking the basket, and you know you can make up those kind of excuses. They're more aggressive to the rim. That's why you know there's more fouls being called. But typically, I, in my experience, I, I would talk to the officials, and I'd say, you know, just explain to me why they shot 27 free throws. We're two very good basketball teams here, and we shot three. What what is it that we're not doing? I I would just go up to them and not do it at a time where I'm screaming and yelling at them. I'm not going to get anything out of that. That's just going to make them upset. But I, I had good luck in terms of turning that thing at times, most times. You said, just watch what's going on here. Let me make you aware of it. There's three of you out there. <laughs> you know, somebody's got to see what's going on. 
Coach, I want to ask you uh, about what Mark Pope's doing right now at uh, at BYU. But I'll, I I played not that you care about this, but I played high school uh, tennis and uh, at Skyline here locally. And uh, my sophomore year, we had the three best tennis players, not me, in the state. And I don't think they lost a, a set all year. And uh, and we won the state championship. And our coach got the coach of the year. And I can't remember what exactly his quote was, but it was basically like, I don't know why you're giving me this award. All I did was tell those guys to go out there and play. It was the easiest coaching job of my entire career. <laughs> and uh, with what Pope's doing to continue to win basketball games, taping it together without your your bigs, is this? Should we be giving him more credit for coming up with game plans to to still get W's? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, there is credit to be given here because this team, you know, both of those bigs, uh, you know, and, and Baxter was bouncy and athletic, but Harvard is the guy that took up so much space, and it just made it really difficult. Now. So, yeah, the answer to that question is yes, you do give Mark Pope credit. They've had to, and every coach has to go through this. We all lose guys. You don't lose usually your two senior, and one's, well, I guess they're both senior bigs. Uh, and I don't know if they're coming back next year or what the circumstances are. But it has given them, it, this opened an opportunity. You know, once somebody's disappointment turns into an opportunity here, Traore, uh, you know, Loner is finally starting to play a little bit, but to watch Seneca Knight and Gideon George and Tiki, these guys have all grown and gotten better. And, and I know George is a senior, but but at the end of the day, he's getting to play more. And what's happened is that this team defensively is so connected and so solid, and 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 they rebound it. And I and I think that one of the one of the good things. Is when you go smaller, and, and this you consider a six 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 six, you know seven six seven guys in the post, is they can they can switch almost everything, which makes it them better defensively. They they already have that physicality. They ha- they have that really toughness about them, and and I think the coaching staff has brought that out in them. But a lot of them will come there, come there with it. I mean, you're talking about. Barcello as a guard is a really tough kid. Lucas, really tough kid. Nell, really tough kid. Traore and, and Gideon Knight, I thought, was a, a little bit soft when he was younger. But his competitiveness and his toughness, that all of those guys, Johnson, uh, it's just amazing to me how solid and connected they've been defensively. And, and, I, and I attribute that to the coaching staff, but I also attribute it to it's it's easier to play great defense, uh, especially when you're playing two games a night or three games in a week, that you are switch everything. You can get up into people. You know, and, and I'm watching college basketball, and a lot of it looks like the NBA. And everybody is running dribble handoffs. And everybody's running screens, slip the screen, another dribble handoff try to turn the corner and go north-south, it's really hard for teams to go north-south against BYU because they're literally, when they're switching, it's body-to-body, hand-to-hand, and it doesn't matter. So Traore can guard a guard. Loner can guard a guard. You know, Barcello, they're guarding guards already. And, 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 and guys like Lucas who are 6'3", 6'4", just strong bodies. Gideon, I think George is, I think he's 6'6", or 6'7". Uh, Knight, not quite as thick, but he is athletic. They're really good defensively. Really, really good defensively. It's it's one of the better defensive teams that I've ever seen at BYU. 
And yet nobody wants to suspect that, but a lot of it has to do with the, the, the team and how it's connected and how because of their size, their athleticism and quickness, there's not many mismatches. You know, and, and Traore is strong enough, even though he's smaller size, against guys that are 6'10 or 6'11, he, he's strong enough to get guys off the block so they don't get comfortable there as well. And, and I, I really, I think that well, I've watched most of the BYU games, and I, I think if, yes, Marcello is really special. Lucas is a really special guard. They can create and make plays, but they hang their hat on, on defending the ball. I really believe that, and, and just being together defensively. I think that's the strength of this team. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens here in conference play. And I, I think the conference is, is better. Some of the teams that haven't been very good for – I mean, I didn't expect USD to come in and give BYU a game, and they, they gave BYU a game. And, uh, they're, you know, there's four or five teams, USF, St. Mary's, they're all pretty tough. And even Santa Clara, I've watched Santa Clara play up here, and uh, – They've had some good wins. So I think the league is better than it's ever been. And uh, as, as from top to bottom, it's better. And win championships, get to postseason. You know, were, you know the old adage that, you know, great offense puts people in the seats and defense wins championships. Well, I think you need both. But I think this team defensively is really special. Our basketball insider Steve Cleveland joining us. I wanted to go a general question. You know, the NFL games were sensational, and you had spoken about Josh Allen being from a small town in the San Joaquin Valley up by you guys, so you know his story probably pretty well. And it looked like they were yeah. going to win, and then 13 seconds to go, the kick, and then overtime. And you see his dad celebrating wildly when they score and looking like, wow, we're just 13 seconds away of going for the ASC title game. This is awesome. And then it gets snatched away. I mean, sports can be so cruel. It's, it, it, every single person, no matter what level, has had their heart crushed. <laughs> and I'm sure you've been in that situation. You had some NCAA tournament games, particularly that one yep. again. Syracuse at over in Denver that looked like you had an opportunity yep. to win. I remember being in the locker room, and gosh, it couldn't have been any worse. And can you speak to how it is from a coaching perspective uh, to put everything into it and then to come up short and just how difficult it is to deal with and, and get over? Boy, you know, those are – very, very, very difficult times, especially when you know, especially when you get into meaningful times of the year, where it's in a, it's in tournament play, it, it's uh, in you know playing for championships, it's playing to get to the NCAA tournament, or maybe just even getting to the NIT. And how critical and big this game is to, for the whatever program it is to take the next step. And you know, last night I'm watching that, and I'm over at my son's. It was his birthday, and and, and I, we do have friends that. Uh, are friends with the Allens. And, and, and so there's a connection that I don't know him personally, but I especially look at the journey this kid took, you know, Fireball High School, some small high school in Central Valley, goes to Reedley Junior College, which no one's heard of, and, and you know, down by, you know, southeast of Fresno. And, uh, and then he plays at Wyoming, which, you know, they've had some good football teams, but I wouldn't say that's a really elite high-level football in terms of top 20 teams in the country. And to see this kid perform like he did, I mean, I, I'm telling you right now that my grandsons and my son, just because we've got a connection. And I listen, I I love Kansas City, and I love Coach Peter. I mean, I, I love their Mahomes. I mean, it's like I always pull for Kansas City. 
I found myself last night pulling for an underdog, a guy that who had just done something special. And when that happened, man, I'm telling you, right, it kind of ruined my evening for about 20 or 30 minutes. It's like you know, I got so, I hardly ever get engaged now that I'm not coaching in a team. My grandsons maybe, but I just don't get engaged. Last night was one of those nights, and so I can remember you. You talked about you know us playing Connecticut, UConn, and us playing Syracuse, where we had opportunities in the last minute of the game to win the game, make a free throw, and you know whatever it might have been. And those are those are they are they just make your gut ache. <laughs> to be honest with you. you, you just you feel so badly. Because you, you know, and the reason you feel bad is because you've worked so hard, you've done everything to get there, and you love these kids and you want them to be successful. And uh, yeah, it's just like falling off a two-story building flat. You know, it's like, oh my gosh. And I mean, you're resilient. You get through it. You work through it. Uh, but when those things happen at the end of the year, it lives with you a little bit. And eventually, you just got to get out and get back on the road recruiting and get back out doing and keeping yourself busy. And eventually, that really strong feeling in your gut that felt bad goes away and, and all of a sudden you realize that, you know what, there, there's light. There's light at the end of the tunnel here. We're going to go find better guys. We're going to go get guys here. We're going to do some different things schematically. And you just start, that's what you do each year. You just take, take one more step, try to get yourselves a little better. But it, it, it is heartbreaking. I'd be lying to you if, you, if I didn't say that because it, you, you just get really, and, and you know what, the highs, the euphoria that comes from Winning games like that, last-second shots, uh, it's, it's just absolute jubilation, you know, and guys are hugging each other and the, the chemistry of a team. And, and the funny thing is, oftentimes, through our losses and through our challenges is when we make the greatest growth and develop the greatest chemistry, and, and that's what pulls teams together. And I, mean, and I, and I consider most of the teams I, I've coached, I mean, I, there's a few teams that I look back and – we could have been more connected, but I usually had really good relationships with the guys. Our coaches had good relationships with the guys. And so it wasn't just one guy hurting because he missed a one-on-one free throw or turned the ball over. It's everybody. And I, I saw that. I mean, last night, Mahomes, rather than celebrating, runs trying to find, you know, Allen. He went, where is he? And, he, you know, and he just embraces him and hugs him because he knows what he feels like because he's had that same experience. That kind of respect in competition, uh, fans sometimes maybe don't notice, but uh, you, you do as a coach. So, yeah, I, I felt bad for them last night. I'm, I'm, I mean, I love the Reeds, and you know, I, I pulled for them forever. But for last night, it was the, the little kid, that, the young boy from Fireball that went to Reedley College, that went to Wyoming and finds himself on the biggest stage in sport and just shined and still didn't win. And so it's, it's not – it's not fun sometimes, but uh, it's, it'll be back. And uh, but um, like I said, I've always rooted for Kansas City, but for, for whatever reason, I kind of got emotionally attached to to this kid from the Central Valley, just knowing his story and knowing his family. All right, that was Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Coming up next, we'll get you all the Jazz post game as we do after every game. Stay with us, ninety-seven five, twelve eighty, the Zone. Good morning. Welcome on in on this Tuesday. Jazz go down and lose to Phoenix. As we do every game, get you all the comments from the players and Coach Quinn Snyder with the best of the Jazz post game starting right now. 
Your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz were extraordinarily shorthanded against the Phoenix Suns last night. Come away with a loss, but fought hard. 115-109 to 109 is uh, your final. The Jazz actually had a two-point lead going into the fourth quarter, but Chris Paul put on a show in the fourth, and Phoenix uh, pulls ahead and hangs on for the uh, the victory. The Jazz did not have any of their starters in this. Their starting lineup was Jordan Clarkson, Trent Forrest, Hassan Whiteside, Daniel House, and Rudy Gay. Uh, they were led by Clarkson's 22. Uh, Forrest had a nice game with 17. House had 14. Pascal with another nice game, 14 points coming in off the bench. Jared Butler uh, had 13. Uh, Rudy Gay had 13 and 5 rebounds. Uh, but as I mentioned, Chris Paul absolutely spectacular in the fourth quarter. He had 27 points, 14 assists, and 9 boards for the game. Devin Booker had a great first half, cooled off a little bit in the second, but finished the game with 33 points on 14 of 35 shooting and uh, 3 of 13 from 3, not to mention 7 boards and 3 assists. Cameron Johnson also had 20 points for the Suns. So let's get some postgame sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Just intensity and competitiveness. Um, you know, I think there's playing hard is, you know, is as much of a skill as anything else. It's just, you know, you saw a guy that's hungry and played hard. And we had a lot of guys, you know, collectively we played hard. And that that's, um, you know, credit to our guys because the team we played plays hard. You know, and that's why it was such a competitive game, you know, and, you know, I think what Chris did in the fourth quarter, he's, he's unique, obviously. Um, but I was, was pleased with our competitiveness. You know, I think we, you know, you'd like to win. I felt that way the other night. You know, we're, you know, I think we're, that that's something that, that our team needs to continue to replicate night in and night out. That's, that's something that was, that's within our control is playing with that level of intensity. And Dan, Daniel does it. Mm. I was going to say, you mentioned pre game the first thing you said was he wanted to be competitive. It seemed like once those early jitters in the first few minutes were out of the way, it was like that was out of the Yeah, we had, I mean, we had breakdowns early. We, we made mistakes to get down 7-0. So, I mean, I think some of it, um, having a comfort level offensively to attack, but, you know, the, the early lead was were things that, um, you know, we were switching when we shouldn't switch. We had, we had some breakdowns. And there's some things that, you know, against a team like that, you have to have a game plan. And, you know, on a back-to-back, you're going through a ballroom. So... You know, some of that's to be expected, but again, that you know, that mental focus and that competitiveness, those are the things. You're not going to be perfect, but um, you know, I thought we cleaned some of those things up. And you know, sometimes, regardless, forget the coverage, forget the schemes. You know, you just compete and talk, and you can make things work. You know, and that's that's what some of our guys did tonight. Obviously, talked about Trent a lot before tonight. I mean, he has to seven such a large role. How do you think that he did? It, it, he did great. I mean, I don't think there's you know, anyone that watched the game would would feel the same. And you know, this is you know when you're playing in that role behind you know two guys that were 
you know, the all-star backcourt last year, you know, whatever, you know, that looks like, you know, Mike and Don and obviously, um, core of our team and so Trent's not going to get those opportunities all the time and but he's been you know you guys don't get a chance to see practice and some of the things but he's just steadily improved and um, talked about him just being confident to, you know to take that corner three he took two of them you know we believe in him taking that shot and you know, people are going to go under him on pick and roll. He has the ability to, you know, to get in the lane and make plays too. So, um, and then again, on the defensive end, his length makes him a factor. There hasn't been many practices to watch. Honestly. Mm-hmm. He, seems, he seems more confident than you would expect from a player who doesn't hit minutes. Well, I, I think, you know, one of the things that happens, you know, the, you know, even if there aren't, you know, team practices, there's those guys put in a lot of work, you know, particularly the guys that aren't playing heavy minutes. We try to keep them, keep them in shape and keep them getting better. And so that, that, that were anytime you invest like that and he's someone that steadily, you know, I remember him giving him a hard time on first day of practice. He took a charge. Um, and I still remember that. And, you know, as a young player, you're, you're finding your way and you're learning. And, um, you know, he's gotten knocked back a couple of times with the ankle last year, obviously, you know, the D league season, he wasn't able to participate in last year. Um, cause there really wasn't one. Um, and even this year, you know, he's, he's kind of picked up steam and he got COVID right after that. He played really well at Toronto. Um, you know, so that that's something I think that, you know, our coaching staff and our players, you know, take pride in, you know, really pushing guys to get better. And it's a credit to Eli more than any anybody else, obviously, because that's something that he's committed to and is unbelievably coachable. And uh, as you said, I think he understands that we have confidence in him when he's got to throw ahead, catch and shoot three. Um, And he's able to make some plays too. He got caught in traffic a little tonight that, that, you know, we all did because they're so long and, and collapsed, but he also did a really good job. Do it. Just do it. At some point, like it's, you know, do it. You do it, you win, you don't, you lose. You don't always win when you do do it, but if you don't do it, it's hard. I mean, I just like you get confidence from playing hard and playing together and you get confidence from having an identity and our identity as a team has gone in and out at times this year. So that confidence will come when we continue to perform at a certain level, um, whether we win or lose. And, um, you know, we've got, you know, months before that 
that happens. And you guys have heard me say it a bunch. I, I, I want to be the best version of ourselves, you know, at the right time. And that means keep getting better. And, you know, I think what we saw tonight was, you know, some guys really digging in and doing things to help us get better. And I think everybody felt that, even the guys that didn't play. And that just has to be, that's the standard. There you go. That's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Let's now move on to uh, the players. Uh, let's start out the player sound with rookie Jared Butler. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's just reps and um, experience. And like you said, like, it's like the first time. The second time I feel more comfortable. I know what kind of what to expect. And, um, yeah, I think just for me, it's just experience and reps. And, uh, you know, I, I think it was a good night. Quinn was talking about the importance of this team realizing that mental focus and effort are deep under your control. Is that kind of mentality that got surrounded tonight? Yeah, for sure. I mean, with the lineup and everybody kind of, you know, not being like the normal Jazz, um, it took it took the whole team. And I think for the most part, we brought our energy. We competed at a high level. We, you know, we had the mental focus for sure. And I think they're a great team. And um, like a few plays, you know, are, were the difference between us winning and losing. And um, I mean, you can accredit that to mental toughness for sure. But um, I think we, we got it. We, we had mental toughness throughout the game. That makes sense. Uh, plus minus um, you know I don't know if it's super credible but you know it's something I look at and it's like oh, you know, who, who's impacting the game stuff like that what was uh, to the game like it's fair to say no one expected you guys to win just given yeah. five stars and Joe what made you guys so competitive tonight like I think the mental toughness. Like we we didn't come out there expecting to lose. We didn't we didn't go out there expecting. Okay, like we're playing you know top team in the West. Like let us just you know lay down and you know get get shots up. Like we we intentionally came out there to win. And um, I think things like that is going to help us throughout the whole season. So yeah. How much better does it feel like just throughout the course of the game that you can see a shot go through? <laughs> it's, it's good for me because, you know, I like to shoot the ball a lot. And um, especially the first one going in, it's super important. But, um, but yeah, it feels really good. What's the difference between trying to get to your spots? It's my favorite question. Uh-huh. What's the difference between trying to get to your spots against first ball or trying to get to your spots in the I think it's just about the same. I mean, I think only difference between um, this and like maybe preseason is just like, like for 48 minutes, you know, I think in preseason it's just in short stints of like pressure defense or, you know, maybe high level defense. But um, I think it's just about the same for me. I feel kind of the same feel tempo, you know. Yeah. With Chris Paul, yeah. It's it's like one of those moments, like okay, like dang, like he dreamed of, like he was literally on my wall growing up. He played in New Orleans. He was like CB three, Crescent City connection. Like that was like you know big for me, and then hitting the three in his face is like I'm like oh my gosh you know but like it's just one of those moments man in life where you're like man you know dreams can come true um 
but it's it's a great feeling. But much respect for Chris Paul, like you know. Did you talk to him about it? Yeah, not not about that, not about the three, but you know, I. I oh, about the, no, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> but um, but you know, I said was up. He um he kind of reached out to me before um because he knew um. Um, when I was at Baylor winning the championship and stuff like that. So um, we kind of had prior knowledge of no, knowing each other. But other than that, I just said what's up, you know. Yeah. I think it takes a lot of, like, mental clarity because, you know, throughout the whole game, you know, there's ups and downs. And then like the last eight minutes, six minutes, there's like, okay, like this is, this is all that matters right now. Whatever happened before, it doesn't matter. And I think he has the ability to, you know, have all the weight on his shoulders and not, you know, and live with the consequences. Uh, and that's something that I kind of want to um, be like and something that I'm attracted to. But yeah, I think that's why. There's Jared Butler, 13 points off the bench in 17 minutes. He also had four steals, a couple of assists and a rebound. Let's now hear from Daniel House. I just control what I can control. You know what I mean? Um, just try to make sure I show up to work every day, get better every day. So when my number is called, I'm able to perform. So I'm not I'm not counting the days because they obviously they gave me another one so they they kind of believe in me well they believe in me right. <laughs> so because uh, they gave me another one so I'm just gonna ride the wave and make sure I get better. What were you saying out there tonight? Uh, I, this team has a really good chance to be extremely phenomenal. Um, we got a great staff. Uh, once the pieces fall into place, I'm, I'm I'm really gonna be excited to see it. So what makes you? What makes you say that? Uh, I mean, um, I mean, guys, these are today the guys that play today are, are considered rotation in and out. But for them to take the number one team in the Western Conference and, and have a dog fight, it shows you how much toughness this team has. And uh, those, we, of course, we're not the starters. So just imagine if we are fully, fully healthy and everybody's come back. And um, I feel like this team can, can do a lot of things. So we just got to continue to work, build, and trust the process that, that Quinn is putting us through. I mean, yeah, it's some some correction, uh, a lot of a lot of communication on how we want to do stuff and what I see. So uh, Quinn trusts the process and he trusts us. So he just asked me what I see, and then if he sees something else, we just try to correct it as a unit and make sure that we can we can get a stop or a rebound or whatever we need to execute that we execute. Where do you help this team? Uh, I really, I, I really, I really do a lot of things. So I'm, I'm just still just trying to figure it out. But uh, whatever the team needs me to do, I'm just, I'm willing to do it. You mentioned that obviously tonight, not you know, mostly for dish guys that the playing. When you're competing against the Phoenix Suns, the best record in the league, and you're leading deep into the fourth quarter, like what, what was kind of the, the story tonight, just in terms of why you guys are so competitive? Oh no, we. I mean, every night we want to be competitive. Every night, uh, if the starters play to 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 the last man on the bench playing, we that's that's what we stand for: playing hard and playing the right way. So that's always key, especially when Quinn is is, is drawing up the game plan. Uh, of course, we have got a great coaching staff. Like that go back to them. Uh, they put together a nice nice game plan, and they make sure that we execute or try to get the best looks as as much and as often as possible. 
Yeah, you were here maybe 24 hours when you first talked to you. You already like were really enjoying being around Quinn. What is what is it that can you talk highly about the push pack too? Tell me about that. Uh, I, I mean, I love I love everyone here. I mean, they they welcome me with open arms, um, accepted me. No one has ever turned me down. They always ask me if I need anything. They always making me comfortable. So, especially being a guy that's been accustomed to a certain uh, certain way for years, and then come over here and be welcome with, with loving arms. Uh, it's, it's, it makes you it makes you it makes you really enjoy the process and everything. So that's why, like, I feel like. The, the staff, the organization, they just do, does an unbelievable job from top to bottom uh, just to make sure that every player on this roster have whatever they need, whenever they need, and so much more. And then with Quinn specifically, but again, this 24 hours, and you're like, I really like Quinn. Yeah, no, I, I like Quinn because his energy, his energy, his effort, uh, like, he's passionate about it. Like, we are, we are passionate about it, obviously. So, like, of course, that's going to bring chemistry uh, but not only that, he's a great dude. Off the court, he's a great dude. Like, and to me, that's 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 before basketball because being having human, human traits like that, characteristics, it speaks a lot about your character. Um, he the head coach of the Utah Jazz. He can walk around with his head up, but he don't do that. He, he want he want everybody to have the same energy. He want everybody to be on top. He want everybody to succeed because that's the type of person he is. That's he's a selfless person. What's it been like for, for you just kind of, I know it's kind of big picture, but what's it been like for you just kind of over your career just kind of having to fight for everything? I'm, I'm used to it. I don't, I don't even trip anymore. It is what it is. That's 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 the role that I'm assist. So I just got to learn to adapt and not look look at the bad of it. Look at the good and figure it out. There's Daniel House. 14 points for him on four of nine shooting, seven boards, four assists. He had a couple of steals and a couple of blocks as well. Let's now uh, wrap up the player sound with Trent Forrest. I feel like it slowed down because I picked up my aggressiveness defense. That's helped kind of slow the game down for me. So I would say it has, but in a sense, I still kind of push the aggressive side a little bit. What prompted that? What prompted you to pick up your aggressiveness with that? Prompted you to approach the same with you with this? Was it just you coming to that realization after watching the film? Um, it was a combination of all of it, honestly. Um, talking to the coaches, talking to a lot of the guys on the team from literally from Don all the way down to the young guys, everybody's kind of been telling me to be more aggressive. Then even like the people, that, like my family, my mom, um, people that I'm close with, they've all been saying that as well. So it's kind of just been a combination and a kind of a mind shift, mindset switch. I talked to Mike for just a second last night. He was like, Trent's starting to confidence. Do you feel that confidence? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and I mean, one of my coaches, I think KD was telling me, he was like, you, you're most confident when I'm doing things aggressively, defensively. So whether it's picking up, trying to just bother people, um, that's kind of when I'm at my best. So um, I definitely feel like my confidence is starting to come back. It's just continuing to build. You still... 
Do you hear from them? Um, not as much. Um, I just know I probably honestly hear more from Mike because he's like he tells me how guys kind of do him. So he's like, I mean, you're young, so kind of do the same thing that they try to do to me. So that's probably who I hear from most is Mike. <laughs> <laughs> What's kind of the key on that like this when there's five starters, it's you know, some guys are in the rotation, some guys not so much, and you go out there and like take them to the team some for most of the game. Um just gotta be locked into the game plan. Um and I feel like we have a lot of smart guys in our just the organization in general, so Playing with each other was pretty easy. Um, like I said, everybody was kind of locked in from from the start of the game plan to the end. Um, we just had a few breakdowns there at the end, but other than that, I feel like that's what kind of kept us together and in the game for the most part. Is it more of a confidence boost? You know, it's a game that probably no one expected you guys to. Yeah. Right, and you take the Phoenix Sun pretty much down to the wire. Yeah, no, that's a, a big confidence boost. I feel like for every everybody um because obviously I mean we were on the street where we weren't playing good at all and um I think coach had told us we had like 11 steals and that was like the first time in this whole year and they don't turn the ball over a lot so just things defensively like that it, it's definitely a confidence for us. You guys going from like something to prove when it's a game like this? Um definitely um I mean we, we know they're going to play physical um, and we have to be at our best to play against the best team in the NBA, arguably. So um, it's definitely a good test for us. What are the challenges of being out there with, you know, obviously, like, you, you're seeing nightly minutes, but, you know, Elijah's not always getting yeah. a chance. Jared's not always getting a chance. What are kind of the adjustments in the air for kind of guys who you're not necessarily comfortable with? Um... I wouldn't say it's not hard because they, like I said, everybody kind of knows our system as a whole. Um, so it's just for them, I feel like they have to kind of pick their spots to be aggressive as well. Um, I mean, like JB, he, he's going to shoot off the dribble and that's what we want him to do. So I feel like for them, that's kind of the balance they kind of have to find. But I mean, they played extremely well tonight. There is Trent Forrest. He got the start last night, 17 points in the loss, six rebounds, two assists. The Jazz fall to the Suns, one 15 to 109. Up next, the Jazz take on this very same Suns team coming up tomorrow night here at Vivint Arena. That game will tip off at 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage will begin at 7. There you go. The best of the Jazz post-game. Coming up next, the 7 o'clock hour. You caught up in what went on in the world of sports. Give you my Jackson Dart prediction again. Riley Jensen joining us. Talk to him. He's a college football guru here locally. Pick his brain. All that coming up next. Stay with us. 97.5, 1280, The Zone. Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Forrest knocks the pass away, steals it. Forrest to the rim. Forrest to the layup. Nice. Trent Forrest with a steal and a bucket. He had four the other night. 
House, quick release three. Knew he had it, backpedaling the other way before it goes down, and Daniel House is feeling it. He's got 14. Butler pulls back on a three. Hit it! Oh, Jared Butler! Don't do me like that! Suns have scrambled with the basketball, drives over to the left side, hands it out to Booker, three-pointer. Shuzan! Ball way out on the perimeter now. He launches a three. Shuzan! Oh, brother! What can you say about CP3? Paul will bring it up front. Paul drives the left side. Paul has a 15-footer. Give it to him. Chris Paul. What a ball game. What a player. Chris Paul, what a ball game. What a player. Devin Booker. They combined for 60 friggin' points. And the Jazz go down. The Jazz such as they are. Riley Jensen joining me as DJ's on his soccer retreat. Wow, man. Can you believe that the Jazz have had just basically a casual attitude toward the regular season? Here's here's where you talk. (laughs) (laughs) It's been been a really, really interesting season for the Jazz. And I don't... I don't know. I don't know where to lay my hat. I don't know where to think about it. Other than the one thing that was nice to see last night is to see guys that haven't been playing all year come in and play really, really hard. But when you got somebody like CP3 and Devin Booker, at the end of the game, it's what they do in the fourth quarter, right? They take it over. They 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 let everybody get involved with the game all game long, and then they're like, okay, so now it's time for me to win the game. Yeah, and 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 Paul at pushing 38, playing 40 minutes. We'll see what he's got tomorrow night when they come here. And I know we're supposed to come in here and praise the young guys for playing hard and all that. And and I get that Conley is all of 34, but he needs as much time off as possible. And Chris Paul's 38, or approaching 38, if he's not already 38, and he can go 40 minutes. Uh, Conley needs to sit out. And I get that Gobert was hurt. And I get Bogdanovich has the finger issue and Mitchell has the concussion. I understand all that. But what about O'Neal and uh, Ingles? Let's just, just sit everybody out. What the hell? I mean, I'm surprised at the casual attitude towards the regular season. I, I know we're supposed to come in here and say the young guys played so hard. And, boy, it was great to see them give that gutty effort. And uh, they really battled hard. And I'm so proud of them. I know that's the party line that we're supposed to say. And I'll say that too, fine. But I'm still surprised at the cavalier attitude towards the regular season. Is that is is that a surprise to you because it's the Jazz organization or at the NBA in general? It's it's certainly not unique to the Jazz by any stretch. Yeah, I mean I I just feel like this this seems yeah. to be more and more the attitude. Oh, the there's NBA. no question. There's no question. But you look back, I mean you grew up here, I did not. So you can speak to the days of the Iron Man when 82 was expected. And, you know, I, I called up Thurl Bailey's uh, basketball reference. He came in the league in 83, uh, 22 years old. His first nine seasons, he missed a total of uh, one, three, uh, four games in his first nine seasons total. But... That's reduced by only two because when he got traded in 91-92, he played in 84 games, and there's only 82. (laughs) (laughs) The real Iron Man. That's a a good point. I mean, look, the the old phrase, like your your best ability is availability, it it seems like it's it's, it's kind of like a a phrase of the past now. Because if you're good enough, you don't have to play every game now. Oh, no, it's not expected. 
And, and the playoffs matter. And if they win in the playoffs, who cares what happened on July or January 24th? I understand it completely. You're acting really old school, like like an old codger that's like well, kind of angry I'm, about everything. Wait, yeah. is that just normal? <laughs> <laughs> what? Do I, way to go, guys! You played so hard. I'm happy. Wow, you played hard. You're really—is that what you want? Is that what people want from me? I've only been doing this for 20 years. If they want me to do that, I can do that. Hell, I want to be popular like every TV guy too. <laughs> I can do that if that's what you want. <laughs> You're very popular, PK. <laughs> I'm popular in a different way. I mean, I, I can cheerlead too and just go. I mean, what, what the heck? I, I can do that. So, I mean, I mean the guys in um, Forest look good. I, I, I give them that. Yeah, I'm just looking, at, and it's not. It's not. I'm not criticizing the Jazz individually by any stretch. And even if I were, I don't care. But uh, I'm not. That's not the point. So I also found it strange that Rudy Gay, Daniel House, you got to UL, and Whiteside, the three front court starters, all of them are four for nine. When's the last time that ever happened? They're all four for nine from the field. That's crazy. What a, what a stat. All of them four for nine. And it was a decent game. I enjoyed watching it. Uh, so I was fine with that. Suns were without two starters. We overlooked that. Just our guys. Hey, shh. Leave that part out, okay? <laughs> I mean, you know, every team the Jazz go up against is 100% with not any injuries whatsoever. Um, we, we just we casually overlooked I mean, that. If, if, if I were playing for the Jazz and I were and I were a starter, my, my argument to, to, to the effort and that everything that happened with the new guys coming in is like, well, sure, they're, they're playing for another team right now. <laughs> they're playing they're, for survival in the league. They are. They're, of course they're going to play their hardest yeah. because they want to have a contract at the end of this year. They want to have yeah. a contract at the end of two years and be in the league as long as they can. Where myself, you know, if, if let's say I'm one of, one of the starters, obviously I'm not, but I'm, I'm saying if in my mindset, I'd be like, well, okay, it's a long season. I'm playing a marathon here. I'm not playing a sprint. These guys get to play a sprint whenever they come in. Yeah, I'm yeah. playing a marathon. And it was great. It was good to see them get up. Forrest looked good. Looks like he's developing into a nice NBA player. We'll see if uh, well, House has been around the league a little bit. Clarkson's already established. So those are just my thoughts. You can disagree. I've got no problem. I get disagreement every day. I put it out there. So the Jazz are back in action tomorrow. Uh, Tip-off, it's late. Oh, it's an, it must be an ESPN game, huh? 8 o'clock game, yeah, ESPN. 8 o'clock uh, if you want to come down to the arena and see them play. 8 o'clock against the Suns. And the Suns are just absolutely freaking rolling, man. They got, what are they, 38 and 9 now? And that's eight-game lead over the Jazz. Goodbye, number one record. But in, in the playoffs, you know, see what happens. All right, there you go. That's your Jazz, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hashtag NBA. Garland on the left side in the middle of the lob. Open three. Good! Oh, the New York Knicks are getting a whole lot of love. Nikhil kick it to Josh. Left wing three on the way. Instant dividends! Well, I'm going to say his ankle's okay. That's your first made three from someone other than Devontae Graham tonight. Turned it over. Brown to green. With a yellow step. A right-handed power dunk. Oh, my goodness. That was sick. Javante Green with a slam, and the Bulls are running on Duncan. My goodness. Bulls are running on Duncan? Tim Duncan? Who are they talking about? <laughs> running, 
Running and dunking. Oh, running and dunking. I thought they were running on dunking. <laughs> That'd just be inappropriate. I mean, the guy retired a long time ago. He did. The Bulls squeaking by the OKC Thunder by one point. Bulls got a ton of injury issues themselves, man. They're just missing... Yeah, lots of guys. Lonzo Ball is out. Uh, my man uh, Caruso got smacked to the ground by uh, former Jazz guy Grayson, Grayson Allen. Allen. And he's going to be out six to eight weeks. Uh, Levine came back, though. He had been out, and he had 23-7. and seven. Some guy I've never even heard of. Dosanumu, 24 points. When I looked at that last night, I had to look him up. 10 of 14 Having himself a ball game. Speaking of guys coming in and getting an opportunity, he's a kid out of uh, Illinois, born in 2000, makes him only 22 years of age, and that's cool to see. It's cool to see. When did guys you guys start this show? What are you talking about? DJ and PK. Six o'clock. <laughs> what year? Oh. <laughs> I think you've been doing this show longer than he's been alive. <laughs> 2002. He's got us by two years. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. A couple other games. Cavs win. Kevin Love, 20 points. I wonder if he'll stay there. I, I think it's a, I did see a uh, thing somewhere that the Cavs want some veteran guys. And they had a picture. They superimposed now. They had a picture of five guys in Cav uniforms. And one of them was our dear friend, Joe Ingles, saying that the Cavs would be interested in a shooter off the bench. Uh, trade deadline is uh, about two weeks away now. So what, today's Tuesday, so it's uh, 16 days. And the Cavs have been a great success story this season for them as far as uh, what uh, probably what they're expected to do and what they are doing. And they've got a great young nucleus and so they, you could see where they would be interested in some potential veteran help because their starting lineup is very young, and they're 10 games over 500. I mean, they sucked for years. For after, years? Well, yeah, after LeBron took off. Uh, so what's this? This is his fourth year, so for at least three years. And then obviously before he went back the second time, they weren't any good. Uh, but, you know, you draft right, you make the right moves, and you can be competitive. And this is like their first year being competitive. And at this point, 10 games over 500 at 29 and uh, 19, that's pretty doggone good. They're only they're only a game and a half out of first place because if you look at the East, you go all the way down to sixth place with Philly, and they're two and a half behind the Miami Heat. So that is all jumbled up. Right. Talking about how the West like the has West. had some separation now with the Suns being three and a half games above the Warriors, and it doesn't look like the Warriors would be all that interested in getting the best record. And then Memphis, uh, six and a half. The Jazz are a game and a half behind Memphis, only a game and a half above uh, the Mavs. So the Jazz don't look like they've got a prayer, and it doesn't look like they care about having the best record in the league anyway. So we'll see how that plays out. But the East is all jumbled up, which from a fan perspective makes it exciting. We'll see what happens there. I'm intrigued to see. Put on your GM hat. You trading Joe Ingles, Riley S. Jensen? Well, that, I, I was going to ask you the question while you were talking. How how much of how, how difficult is that as a as a pro athlete that you know you're two weeks out, three weeks out from trade deadline, and there's all these rumors swirling? I think it's got to suck. If your name it's, is being out there, and Joe's Joe's acknowledged it, he acknowledged it last Thursday. He's acknowledged it, uh, I think, the week before last. So it's two out of the last three weeks when he's come on, he's talked about it. 
Yeah, and 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 if he's talking about it, it's certainly something that's on his mind. Yeah, and, of course it is. And he's so got, he's got his kids here in school and everything, and therapy with the one son, and he doesn't yeah. want to have to uproot it. I couldn't imagine that, and you you virtually have no say in it. Well, I, and I guess the answer to your question is it depends, which is kind of a cop out, right? But yeah. it depends on what you're getting back. Play it safe, Riley. Come on. <laughs> but it really does <laughs> depend on what you're getting back. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that Cleveland has something that I that I really really want that would that would that, that would force my yeah, hand to probably trade. not because they're looking to get better, not to dish off people. All right, there you go. It's your NBA. Let's move on, Yoxter. Hashtag college basketball. Riley Jensen's Weber State Wildcats beat SUU in a battle in the Big Sky, 92-84. Way to go. Joara, 20, 25 points. That's a big game for them. They moved to 7-1 and one in conference. Uh, the uh, Thunderbirds fall to 5-2. and two. Well, that game, that game got a little bit uh, dicey at the end with some free throws and some missed shots. I think Weber State went one for two on free throws for like the last four possessions, which, which made things really, really interesting there at the end. You work with Weber State, don't you? I do. Weber State Athletics and their athletics department, and there's a few different players, and obviously the teams that I all work with, or that I work with. You work with men's basketball? I do. Some good, good players there, and some... I, I, I'm always interested when I'm watching teams develop. You're talking about really good individuals, too. Just people that are good teammates, people that play hard, and I think Randy Ray's got this thing back on track again. He's going in the right direction. Well, if you look at Randy Ray's record, his track record, that's usually what happens. There may be a season in there where they slip a little bit, but then he comes back. I mean, he's done this multiple times. This guy's a mainstay. No, there's in, no in there's August. no question he's a mainstay. I think part of part of the the thing that's difficult about college sports right now is is NIL and basically free agency without contracts and all these different things. I mean, I mean, I know I know that before Dylan Jones left last year, like there, there was conversations that he was going to have like five offers, and he did, and he still came back to Randy Ray, right? So I mean, he had offers from from Butler, he had offers from a lot of different schools to just go ahead and go. Yeah, but he he loves Randy Ray. Who knows what happens this year? <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's a really really good young player. There's some really really good talent on that team. Cool. We'll see what happens there when we get to March and uh, which team is going to represent the Big Sky in the NCAA tournament. Right now, Weaver's got an excellent chance, and I wouldn't rule out Southern Utah either. That's your college basketball right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hashtag NFL. Football is extremely important in my life, and it means a lot to me, and I care a lot about what we're trying to accomplish as a team, and I care a lot about my teammates. And the biggest difference now that I'm older is I have kids now too, you know, and I care about them a lot as well. You know, they've been my biggest supporters. My wife is my biggest supporter. It pains her to see me get hit out there. And, um, you know, she deserves what she needs from me as a husband. My kids deserve what they need from me as a dad. You obviously said you guys want Aaron or you want Aaron back and, and you want him to retire here. Is that the final organizational decision on that? Or is there still, you know, some debate about, you know, that you guys have to have um, to make sure you guys want to move forward with him for another year? No, every, every conversation I've been involved in with Goody and Russ and Mark, we're all on the same page there. So there, there's no debate. That's Tom Brady. His kids are special to him. Good for you, Tom. 
Your wife's special to you. Good for you, Tom. That puts you in the category of everybody else. And you can decide, because you're rich beyond belief, if you want to be there 24-7 or if you want to continue with the job. And uh, he's earned that right. I hope he comes back. You're saying, you're saying it's first world problems? Well, meaning, meaning, you know, I mean, we not everybody it. has that choice. You've got a family. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> he's just setting up the drama for the comeback. You, come on, man. No, he's answering questions and he's speaking from the heart. I've got no problem with that. It just it puts him in uh, no other category that uh, thousands of millions of us aren't uh, aren't in. My old man loved me just as much as Tom loved his kids, and he worked two jobs <laughs> my whole life. He was a he jan- should have made more money. He was a janitor in the day, and he was a janitor at night. <laughs> he should have he made more money. <laughs> and my high school baseball games, he'd come over and sit in the car um, because he had to get back to one of his jobs. So good for Tom. Way to go. I hope he comes back. And that's LaFour on Aaron Rodgers as that – Saga is going to continue. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is my favorite player in the NFL. He has been for a number of years. I'm not a... Why? Because I just like the way he plays, man. I love great quarterbacking. I mean, I can do without all the drama, but I That's like... That's what I was going to say. Does, does, does off the field play any role in how you feel about athletes? Not really, no. Because if I did that, and I talked about this yesterday... Then you can pick everybody apart? Yeah, yeah. It's like with politics. If I get on that train, then I have to go. I, I, when when do I, you never get off? You're constantly on it. And the president called some Fox guy an SOB, and now we got to see all these tweets of when the Democratic side, the liberal side, criticized the other guy because he called somebody an SOB, and then you just go back and forth forever, and nobody wins, everybody loses. So I choose not to get on that train. You choose. You choose the mantra of "You're a jerk. I'm a jerk. Let's all just get over it." Okay. And move forward. <laughs> yeah. So if I, where does it, where does it end with the off the field? Am I gonna because somebody says something in their personal life? Now I'm no longer gonna like that sport. I never got in when they knelt. Kneel all you want, <laughs> whatever. I don't care. I watch football because I like football. Uh, and these other dudes, when the bubble came and they had the shirts on and blah blah blah. In the re- in the end, that ain't gonna do jack squat. You know, the guy in the hood who needs help, you, you, you can kneel all you want. What what difference is that going to make? I, I want ground level stuff. You know, Donovan Mitchell preaches about education. Good job, my man, because that's going to make the difference. All this other stuff is cosmetic. And so, and Aaron Rodgers can do and say whatever he wants. I like watching him play football. I hope he comes back. I'd prefer not the drama, but I was watching, what was it, uh, Saturday night? And I was surprised that the Packers struggled as much as they did. I was rooting for them to win because I like to watch Aaron Rodgers play. I love to see the best be at their best. To me, that's what turns me on as a sports fan. So tell me this. So so you don't care what they do off the field, but when somebody like Najee Harris is going back to to the homeless shelter that he grew up in, and he's like, awesome. does that help you to cheer for him more because it yeah, is ground level? Yeah, I can level? buy that. I can buy that. Absolutely. Good point. Because I thought that was pretty cool. I no thought that was question. pretty cool. No question. And he goes back there every year. He had his draft party there Yeah, yeah. at, yeah. at that place. Oh, yeah. I, think, I think that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, and I, I understand a little bit about the foster system, so uh, I appreciate that 100%. I will agree with that. Absolutely. And when Mitchell talks about education, I want to give him a hug. Because he is spot on. 
Absolutely. You so give me a hug. When you talk about education. <laughs> <laughs> I think education is very important. In fact, I'm going to talk about education all day this morning. I mean, I'm, I'm expecting at least 20 hugs today. Okay. Well, <laughs> get your mask on. <laughs> all right, let's move on to MLB. Hashtag Major League Baseball. We got progress. The MLB Players Association and the ownership, all those folks, plan to meet today. They had a Monday bargaining session. And says right here, first sliver of progress between the two sides in the lockout. That's cool. Face-to-face meetings lasted about two hours. Yeah. I mean, that bothers me. I don't, I don't, you're playing a kid's game. Get out there. Spring training's coming up in about, uh, what, three, four weeks. And I would like to, particularly growing up in, in Arizona in my teen years, and to see how much that meant to the economy. I mean, it, that's the, the fallout on this stuff is, you know, restaurants and hotels and stuff. Because, I mean, you go to the Valley of the Sun in March, and you might as well be in Little Chicago. I mean, the, the, the amount of Cub fans that come out of the woodworks that are, are already there or want to come to Chicago, from Chicago or wherever they're coming from where the weather sucks and to get some sunshine after not having it in warm temps, it's incredible. And I always loved it. March was always my favorite month when I lived there. And when I lived there, it wasn't near the stuff that it is now, although I've been to spring training probably 15 times since I moved away. So I understand it. And uh, I would just like to see that continue. And there's a lot of people who rely on that. So it'd be cool if they can get this done. So make that happen for me, Riley, okay? I'll do what I can. I'll be in the meetings. Then we got MLB is expanding automated strike zone experiment to AAA, which obviously is the highest level. Uh, posted a hiring notice seeking seasonal employees to operate automated ball, automated ball strike system at the AAA clubs, which includes our Salt Lake Bees. So what does he yell down? Hey, Mac, that's a strike! How will that work? <laughs> it's a robot that just calls it out behind the plate. No, well, no, you have you have it there. He's sitting in the press box. He yells it out. Ah, strike! <laughs> that would be funny. Actually. I said what I said. <laughs> That's a ball. Well, so, tell the computer it's blind. So, so, the, so we're just taking the human element out of this. Like no fights, no, no spitting on each other, no kicking dirt on anybody. Well, like, I, isn't that I, part of the fun? It, I think it is. But you're going old school there, old timer. Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm, <laughs> listen, just because I called you an old codger doesn't mean I don't have like. Codger tendencies. <laughs> that that stuff has gone away a lot. The Earl Weavers coming out and yelling and Tom Lasorda and Billy Martin kicking dust or dirt on the plate. Lou Pinella. Pinella was a hothead. Yeah. Oh, sure. And that was way entertaining to the fans. They love that stuff. But they don't with the automatic uh, instant replay, I should say, you don't really get that anymore anyway. They just go to the replay. So a lot of that stuff we've taken out. So And, yeah, if you're going to go to the automation with the balls and strikes, then that's that's one of the last respites of arguing. So I, to be honest with you, I haven't seen this. Like, what does the robot look like? Like, is he... You don't know. I don't know, actually. That's some box they're going to have. I mean, are we, are we, the are we gonna, inside that box, it's a strike. I know, but are we going to go real techie? Like, like, really have, like, a robot behind? I don't think we're going to have a robot, because then uh, foul balls, they'd be running into the robot on pop flies and whatnot. That's a good point. Uh, so I would assume it would be done upstairs. They run into refs anyway. <laughs> and umpires. Yeah, well, 
Uh, yeah, I, I, I have a mixed uh, feeling on that. I'm willing to try it at the AAA level or any minor league level, see how it goes. Uh, I think that I think baseball needs to not overhaul, but certainly needs to modify a lot of the things that they got going on to make the game more appealing to the youngsters. Because as you know, Riley, soccer is taking over. Soccer uh, rules the world. Oh, I don't think it's just this world either. I mean, it, like, look, I run a little independent football camp in the spring. Just trying to get green space in this state is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the soccer teams have it all. And and what? How old are they? Like eight, nine. Right. Because at that age, five. it's easy to do. It's a hell right. of a lot easier to do that than to stand in the batter's in the batter's box and strike out. That's a good point. That's a lesson in life. Soccer, they delay lessons in life. So you're saying, yeah, if, if you want to learn right how to do, if you want to learn how to do hard things, play baseball. He says, stand in the batter's box <laughs> and have everybody look at you, and mommy and daddy can't help you at that point, and you can't hide. Right? We're in soccer. You can just kind of kick the ball a little. Bit. Go, Johnny, kick the ball. Way to go, Johnny. Remember how Ethan Tanner and Stanley. yeah, you're the you're the author who, of that. Uh, what? Ethan Tanner and Sterling playing soccer, buddy. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you're BS. And I, I, don't know, and I know why you're about. BSing me now. <laughs> and if you ever have any doubt on anybody's agenda, follow the money. Boom. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> what is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. You can call them at 801-295-1690. 295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up. We're going to get into transfers. There's a big name still out there. And where is he going to Mississippi? We'll see what Riley Jensen knows. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by my friends at Zero Res. Zero Res is the only carpet cleaner for a smarter Lasting clean, zero-res patent processes use only water to clean, meaning no crunchy carpets and spot-free carpet that is safe for the whole family. Schedule your carpet cleaning today by calling 801-288-9376, 288-ZERO, or booking online at zeroresaltlake.com, or if you're up north, it's zeroresdavisweber.com. All right, my hot take, Riley Jensen sitting in is that Jackson's darts going to, to Mississippi to play for Kiffin. That's your hot take? Yeah. Y- your inside sources are telling you? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> is she better looking than you? Well, everybody is. <laughs> except you. <laughs> but that's a recent event. Um, I got all my hair. You told me that this morning. I know. Dude, that's that's just filthy how much hair you have. It's, it's really good looking stuff. I know. I uh, I lucked out there. And my, my father had a full head of hair, and it, it never turned uh, gray until like he was like 80. Dude, my dad's like the silver fox, and he still has all his hair. And oh, I'm, really? I'm sitting here looking at him. My brother's like, we're going, where, what happened to us? <laughs> <laughs> what happened? I have a friend who uh, I played a little ball with. He might be listening. And gosh, he was virtually, you could see it like 21, 22, man. They, he's not long for hair, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so he gets married, and he moves out of town, takes a job with an automobile dealer and moves out to where nobody knows him, 
right? And so he's got this wife, and they're like a year apart, maybe tops. And uh, people thought that that was his daughter. Because he he looked way older because he was so prematurely bald. And then he has a brother who is uh, like less than 18 months older. Full dome of hair. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get how it works. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Don't text me. Don't don't tweet at me. It's genetics, Riley. I, I mean, I get it. I just don't get it. I understand. It, it exists with my brothers. I had two brothers younger yeah. than me that are nearing bald. Yeah. They get mad at me because I've still got a pretty much uh, I don't yeah. know how it works, but... Yeah. I can see my. You guys don't know. It, I can see my people, reflection right now, and I'm looking good. There's people that walk around and curse you. <laughs> On this very staff, they curse us. We're it's a midday show that is very. Never had to. Never had to worry about. It. Never have had to uh, color it. It stayed basically. It's. I used to be blonde as a youngster. Same then, here. Then over time, it morphed into the more brown, and then it's basically just stayed this way the whole there you time. Go. Looking so. good, PK. Looking good. No, mm. I. Uh, it's interesting. I think this whole this whole Jackson Dart saga is interesting. I, I'm I'm interested as to why it's taking this long because I'm I'm sitting here going, wait, aren't, haven't we been into the semester for two weeks now? Like how how long how long are we going to be in this place? Yeah, you know, I well, I was told that he couldn't play spring ball at BYU. It's too late. Really? Yeah, he'd have to be enrolled already. And, and it starts in in a month. Yeah. Do you guys do you guys think that BYU is ever a real option? I think they have been a option. I don't know, I don't that's an option. An, an option. My apologies. So if you have the vowel that starts <laughs> yeah. the word, you have I to just, use the. I just N. stepped into the DJ <laughs> role that. today, so you don't go uh. You have to put the N. There. Come on, so, yuck! So it's an option, not a option. It's East, you people from Utah. English. I've seen that mountain. We was we was we was fixing to do it. Go to crick. Sure, I just I love think, to sleep on my pillow <laughs> and drink milk. I think he uh, considered it. Why wouldn't he? I don't know. I'm just why I'm, waste their time? I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering if it was a real. Option. I don't know. You know more than I do. Well, I I think that this whole this whole scenario is just. For for the next couple of years, this is going to be the wild, wild west on this kind of stuff. And I think the dust is going to settle and coaches are going to find the rhythm on exactly how they want to do this. But just yesterday, I was talking to a Division One football just coach. Just yesterday morning? Why, just yesterday. <laughs> I was talking to a, a Division One football coach who was telling me that he's never seen more high-quality high school players that are still left. And he's having to like really earn his money right now and really earn these guys because so many people have jumped into the portal and he, he doesn't know where he stands yet. He's like, I'm trying, I'm trying to do a little bit of both, but this, he goes, this is craziness trying to figure out how to leave enough scholarships for the portal, get the high school kids I want to get. He goes, but honestly, he goes, I'm seeing guys that I've never seen before that are left at this time of year in the high school ranks because everybody's trying to go into the portal and and figure everything out. So back to Jackson Dart, um, it's going to be really interesting to see what he chooses. I, I know that Lane Kiffin wants him really, really bad. Like he's... The word that I heard was that he was that Lane Kiffin wasn't super happy that they left Oxford, Mississippi without signing the scholarship, getting the commitment. Yeah, right. Like he 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 wanted that commitment. That doesn't mean that he doesn't still want him. Sure, but it, it's 
this has been a big deal. I, I've heard with Jackson that Georgia came in late, that, that they're wanting to give him a trip. And I think the thing that would be difficult for Jackson right now is you want to go to a place where you can play immediately or at least compete immediately for the job, right? should be anywhere, though, but if, shouldn't it? Well, you would think, but when you're talking about Alabama or Georgia, you're talking about a quarterback that just won a national championship and a quarterback that just won the Heisman. If he went to those places, I mean, do you think they're just going to open it up for him? I don't know. Georgia annually likes to put Stetson Bennett on the bench. Why why wouldn't they? You play the best player. No, Well, why wouldn't you versus should you are two different questions. They are two different questions. Definitely, I'd agree with that. I mean, I, I, I think that there's things that happen out of loyalty to people. But, you know, then then you take into consideration, like, okay, so Stetson Bennett is is tiny. The quarterback at Alabama is tiny, won the Heisman. Mm-hmm. And and you go, well, he could get hurt. You know, you could make that argument at BYU. Well, Jaron Hall's really good, but he hasn't made it through a season yet, right? Hasn't come close. But that's not... That's not exactly the things that I think somebody like Jackson Dart would want to hear going in. I think some. I don't think Jackson Dart's expecting to start. He's expecting a fair fight. That's why he transferred from from USC. In my opinion, is it was never going to be a fair fight if Caleb Williams comes in, right? Because you've got Coach Riley there. He's already coached him at Oklahoma. Even if Jackson Dart were to win the job at USC, he would have a short rope. So he's just looking for a fair fight where, where his arms aren't behind his back as he's fighting someone. So I, Yeah, but he thought he was going to get that at SC a year ago. So he took the, took the stars and ran. So how, how do you know what the situation well, well, is going a, to be? A, situation today, obviously situation at SC changed dramatically. But I, but you think I, Kiffin is going to be there his whole time? I don't know. Right. That's I my mean, point. I mean, nobody knows that. Right. I mean... <laughs> I mean, I think part of the reason why Jackson Dart chose USC over UCLA is because he thought that USC was more stable <laughs> because they had almost fired Chip Kelly the year before. Well, I mean, that, the that, was, that was silly. I mean, Clay Hilton has been, before the ink was dry, he right. was going to get fired. I know, but but they they were talking very very loud at USC or at UCLA about about Chip Kelly being gone. Yeah, but when after I, that I, loss, after that meltdown. To UC to to USC last year at the end of the season, I mean they thought he was going to get fired. I know, but if you're going to go and do that, I, I just don't well, know. No, no, that, but that's what I'm saying. The, the parameters there, change, but there's no stability. Fair today is, the is there isn't. So you know, why yeah, but, worry well, about that? Yeah, but you, well, because you got to because you, you have to. You can only pick about today. I get you can't you can't predict the future. So. So okay, why try Lane to predict Kiffin, it? Lane Kiffin might not be there. Well, he's just saying I want a I, I want a fair fight when I go to spring ball. That's it. That's as far into the future as you can go. Can you go any further than that? Yeah, but I, yeah, that didn't apply to Chip Kelly because he could have. <clears throat> By the time he was well, in okay, camp, so, he could have got out of it. Well, look, he I'm could not, have signed in December. I'm not, I'm not speaking and, for Jackson Dart. And I'm, stayed the whole time. You could Chip Kelly gets fired in June. You could well, then maybe then that's you can the leave. lesson that you learn when you're in Division One football is like nothing's going to. Well, that lesson shouldn't be learned. It should just be a fact. 
That that's sunrises in the east. I don't need to learn it. I already well, know you're it. Smarter than than ninety nine percent of us. No, I mean his dad us. obviously knew that. Come on, he. I didn't. I was not a. I was a pathetic athlete. His dad played. He's got to understand that. that. I mean, just because a guy played doesn't mean he has all the answers. Nobody has all the answers, but this, that's my whole point. This is obvious. There is no stability. The only consistency is inconsistency. Right. So, so yeah, Lane Kiffin might be gone. Either way, I mean, look. He had he had, I guess when he went into the transfer portal there was 32 teams that reached out to him within an hour. I can understand why. Yeah. 32 teams. I mean those are good options. Those are first world problems, right? Like, oh man, I'm all stressed out. I mean, Georgia called, Ole Miss called, Oklahoma called. I mean, I that's a tough gig. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I happened to be in that situation years ago with multiple offers and it is just I don't make light of it. It is a stressful thing. And I and I agree with him for getting out of SC because that doesn't seem like it's fair. The quarterback is coming uh, and the coach and and they had success. So it looks like you're going to be f- slanted towards Williams. So right. I, I get it. I, I get that completely. Here's here's where I think here's where uh, this is one part of this story that I don't I think people don't understand with with nil and with you know this ease of transferring and all that is that there the ability for agents to talk to people now is much different than when I was in college. It's much different than it was five years ago. No question. So when 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 you're talking to somebody or you're you're talking to to Jackson Dart, and maybe there's a few agencies. I don't know how many agencies could possibly talk to his parents. But if they're all saying to you, I think this is, this really changes things. If they're all saying to you, it doesn't matter whether Jackson comes out after his junior year or his senior year. He's projected to be a top three quarterback in both of those classes. He needs to be playing. That has an effect on whether you transfer or not. Because all these kids that play college football, the goal is to play in the NFL. Sure. Shoot, there's guys. There, I mean, Jordan Love made it to to the NFL, but there's a whole bunch of quarterbacks that played at Utah State long before Jordan Love that wanted to play in the NFL and thought that if it was just their season, if everything came together just right, that they were going to have a chance to play in the NFL. Uh-huh. So if an agency comes in now and talks to you and says, hey, you're, you're projected to be top three, you've got to be on the field developing next year. It changes the way you think about transfer. It changes the way that you think about things that are happening. Okay. And so I think I think that's a different perspective. Some of these kids are transferring because they know that they're going to be part of the NFL as long as things stay status quo as to where they were. All right, we'll delve more into this, and Riley will tell us where he's going. I told you where he thinks, where I think he's going. Riley will tell you where he's going. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. NBA jazz legend Thurl Bailey. As a guy who played against him, I know you are the utmost professional, Thurl. You are nothing but professional, but come on, you kind of have to enjoy a little bit of what's going on with the Lakers right now, right? I'm loving it. I'm not that professional. No. There you go. <laughs> I, I'm still a fan, right? But at the same time, I remember those rivalries, and, and I know probably who the most villainized team is still is in Jazz Nation. But, you know, it, again, you know, it doesn't always work. You know, you try to build a super team, if that's what they're still calling it. But as much as I'm impressed with what LeBron is doing individually, in answer to your question, yeah. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. 
Valentine's Day right around the corner. It's coming soon. Take care of that special person in your life with flowers from Jimmy's Flowers. Order early for the best selection at jimmysflowers.com. jimmysflowers.com. You can visit them. Got locations in Bountiful, Layton, or Ogden. Jimmy Flowers. Jimmy's Flowers. That's jimmysflowers.com. All right. I say Old Miss for this young hotshot. Uh, probably what you think, too, is, is there s- such a thing as a quarterback coach or a coordinator, a head coach that can make the quarterback? Is that even possible? Can can a can a coordinator or a coach make a quarterback? Yeah, because it would seem to me that he would go there. He knows the position's open, right? That's for sure. But I think the influence of Lane Kiffin has got to have something to do with it. Why go I, all the way over there? I think I think it does. I I think that you can have. I mean, I think that's the whole reason that they call like quarterbacks a system quarterback every once in a while, because coaches do have an effect on how players play because of how they decide to throw the ball, when they decide to throw the ball, what types of throws they type they like to make. My my gut feeling all the way along has been that Jackson Dart fits in really well with Lane Kiffin and I don't know why cuz I don't know that they're the exact same type personality. I mean, I think I think Jackson gives you the persona of like this California kid, he's got the puka shell necklace on and all that kind of stuff and you think maybe he's a little bit showy, but if you know him personally, He's super gritty. He's super blue collar. He's super hard worker type kid, and so it, his persona doesn't really fit to me as far as like what you would think the kid with puka shell necklace on would have, <laughs> right? Okay. Does, that, does that make sense? Like, uh, I've never had a kid that I've that I've worked with that plays quarterback that's worked harder than him. I mean, literally, there was a day where the only time of day that they could fit was like an eleven o'clock in the morning on a Friday with me. In like it was like July fourteenth, uh-huh. <laughs> and Jackson, Brandon, his dad is there. Jackson is there. They're working out, and neither one will pull him off the field. And I'm like, guys, I'm not doing this anymore. We're out of here. It was like 125, <laughs> like on the turf, and I'm like, we're not doing this, guys. We're not getting anything done. And and neither. It was almost like both of them were looking at each other, and they were like. I'm not going off. I'm not. I'm not telling him I need to go off. And 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 Dad's looking at me like I'm not telling him to go. And I'm like, fine. Time out. I'll be the guy. We're not killing this kid over a workout in the middle of July, right? Uh-huh. And he's that. He's that type of a person. Now, I, I say this out loud, and and we start talking about Jackson, and for some reason it fits to me. But here's here's the thing you need to understand. I think Jackson Dart is an NFL quarterback. Whether whether he's playing for Lane Kiffin right, or what Oklahoma or that's whatever, what, that's like what I'm I don't. I, but where, where I think a, a coach can do something, I think they can break you. Like I think they can ruin your chance. Okay. So I do think this choice is important, not because okay, yeah. not because Lane Kiffin makes him, or Oklahoma makes him, or Georgia makes him, or whoever else that he's considering out there. But I do think there's places that could like be a stumbling block. And be like not a good place for him to go. Like I don't think Oregon would be a great place to go right now. You know, like Bo Nix transferred from Auburn. I would not want to go to Oregon right now because you're a quarterback. You got an offensive line type coach. You know, they they've loved this whole like persona of the offensive line. Who knows what you're going to get up there? You know, it would be so unstable to me as a quarterback. I, I wouldn't go to Oregon right now. 
Okay. Now, Utah would be somebody that you would consider right now after what happened, but you can't consider him until next year's class or the class after that because you don't want to sit behind Cam Rising the whole time you're here if you're a big-time quarterback. I think what they're doing at the University of Utah right now is changing their ability to to get big-time quarterbacks. If Cam Rising so, – so you, so you got Huntley that's in the NFL. You got Cam Rising that's playing the way he is. I think Cam Rising is going to make it to the NFL. I don't know how high or how low it ends up being for him, but I think he'll make it to the NFL. Now you got two quarterbacks that made it to the NFL under Andy Ludwig. Now you're starting to build. You're starting to build something there for sure. Where, where you, but it's always going to have to fit in, you know, like two years after you know Cam Rising has been starting, so that after his junior year, if he decides to declare, that like I can be the guy that comes in next after that, after sitting for a year at the most. Right, you think it's bad for this for Dart to sit a year? Yeah, I do think it's bad. And why? Because, like we were talking about earlier, when you when you have people saying that you're in your ear and and people who know, I mean, it's not like people that are just like guessing. Like they have a lot of money that's behind that too. By telling him that he's the top two or three quarterback in each class that he could probably go out in, if that's true. He needs as much tape and as much film as possible to get him drafted as high as possible. So it means millions of dollars. Okay, could I argue, though, that if you're more of a mystery, then uh, that that could actually help you? Yeah, if... If, if you're not as good he, as we think you are? So so here's, here's what I would say. Yes, like Mark Sanchez would be the guy that, like is a perfect example of someone who didn't have that much. He only started like one year at USC. I think he had like 16 total starts yeah, yeah, yeah. before he before he went into the NFL. And so, yeah, it was hidden. It helped, it helped him to go higher. But that actually works against quarterbacks now because of Mark Sanchez because they all thought he was going to be the guy. Yeah. And so the other thing that you have to consider, though, is like, you know, this isn't an easy game. You have to consider you could possibly get hurt. And I hate to say that word out out loud, you know what I mean, when you're talking about quarter, but you have to consider that in that position you could get hurt. So you need two years of starting somewhere. He's only he he can go to the NFL after his junior year. Correct. So or he's really only, sophomore. He, yeah, he's Three really years. only got two years left because he played he played his freshman year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you you want to have some good wins and some good. Like, you know, trending. So I do think it's important that he plays. Okay, you talk about Utah sending potentially two kids and they can develop a pipeline. How about BYU? We'll get to that next. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. I want to tell you about our Mark Miller title sponsorship. DJ and PK in the Morning is proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. So check them out, Mark Miller Subaru. Subarus are fine cars. Bought one myself. All right, Riley Jensen's sitting in. David James Nickeldorf III is off. He didn't get Sportscast of the Year, and he just <laughs> needs to recover from that. So he needs some time off to rethink. It's the first year in 19 years that he didn't rethink get Rethink his strategy and what he needs to do to be more popular and build up his image even more. Uh, so he is uh, meeting with consultants this week. and He'll be back next week, and he'll be shinier than ever. And we look forward to the good news that he spreads. You guys know about the good, You guys know about the good news. <laughs> Talking a couple of good newsers myself. <laughs> Whereas I deliver bad news, you guys delivered good news. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 
<laughs> you speak of dodge the lightning. Be wise. Lightning, come on. He's got to love me by now. I've given him so many chances. Does that mean he hasn't? <laughs> I love it that you think that the good Lord loves you by attrition. <laughs> I just wear people out. At this point, he's got to accept me. <laughs> so I've I've messed up plenty of times. He hasn't killed me yet. We're, we're going through a legal issue at home, right? And uh, got to give a deposition and all that stuff. And so we're, uh, I'm talking to my wife, and, and I'm just getting all fired up yesterday. I said, gosh, she looks at me, do you have to be so aggressive about it? I said, well, after 30 years, you're surprised that I'm aggressive? <laughs> <laughs> This is, this is who I am. People are trying to take money out of my pocket. What do you expect me to be? And black out four hours for a deposition. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm fired up. Yeah, you coming after me? I only know one way. So she was surprised at the aggression. <laughs> I guess. Which, like, <laughs> which, which means you've kind of hoodwinked her. I'm surprised like she you're had... surprised. <laughs> no, she realized, okay, well, I probably should have seen that coming. It's like my wife thought I was outdoorsy when we got married. <laughs> She's like, I'm like, what, what made you think we were out, that I was outdoorsy? She goes, I don't know. I thought, I thought, you know, we got engaged on the top of Mount Olympus. I thought you were outdoorsy. I was like, that was one time. That was one time. That was one time. You, get to, you need to take her out, go some, uh, some uh, snowshoeing. Uh, yeah, and, that and, sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> That sounds like a blast. Camping in the summer? I just can't wait till my kids are old enough to do it with Jeez. her. So I don't have to. Come on, man. Fulfill your duties. <laughs> Holy freak. You are you criticizing me and my duties as a husband? Wow. Well, I'm offended. Good. My, That's what my, we do in this society. Uh, we get offended. My mission is accomplished I'm not today. afraid to be offended. Good. And I... I would agree with you. I'm not I, I, my outdoors is golf and then sitting on the beach. Yeah, that's that's the kind of outdoor. <laughs> like, let's go, let's go to the Florida Keys, honey. I'll sh- I'll, I'll show you that I love the you outdoors. Go to Bermuda, the Bahamas? outdoors. <laughs> Come on, pretty mama. Keys. Oh no, here we go. Here we go. There's a place that Riley would like. Okay with that. And then he doesn't even have I would to even ride. Listen, a I would bike. listen to that song once a day if <laughs> if I was there right now. I don't even care. I went there once. It was awesome. In Kokomo? Uh, no. Or Bermuda? Uh, Jamaica? I've been to the Bahamas. I've been to the Caribbean a few times uh, for work too. When I worked with the Watchdog basketball tournaments there. There you and go. And then uh, the, the Florida Keys. We went. One time on our own. Man, it must be nice. I know, I know you make fun of DJ, but man, what? What? Jeez, they're paying, they're paying you good money. They are. You live close <laughs> to the mountain, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those big things over there. Sure. Yeah, you live close to the mountain. We kind of all do. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Um, I wanted to get to you talk about Utah being uh, developing a little quarterback reputation. Well, why wouldn't BYU be developing the same thing? Well, I, I think they are. I, I, I think that was just the first thing that came to my head. I mean, look, you got Zach Wilson. I think Jaron Hall is an NFL quarterback. I think they think it. I think the only thing that is going to like keep him back is maybe the injury bug. 
I mean, that's the only thing. I, I, and I don't think it'll keep him out of the NFL. I think it will keep him from being a, a fairly high draft pick. So I listen. There are really good things going on in the state. When you talk about the offense coordinator, Anthony Tucker up at Utah State, when you're talking about Andy Ludwig, when you're talking about Aaron Roderick, I mean, these guys are doing good things. And I think if I were if I were to say the thing that I really like about Aaron Roderick down at the at BYU is that quarterbacks are getting better under his tutelage. Like they're not Jaron Hall and Zach Wilson were the best probably the best athlete on the field every time they played in high school football. And there were times when I watched Jaron Hall play in high school where I was like, I don't know if you can get away with that in college because he was the best athlete. He would run around, he would turn the game into a backyard football game and he would make amazing plays with his arm and his feet. And it was like, wow, this guy this guy is really really unbelievable. And so to me, my my criticism of him coming out of high school is like, okay, but is he going to be able to put his foot in the ground on a third and six and throw the ball on time and keep the chains moving? And he has. And I think that's the biggest growth that I've seen between him is he, he is able to stay in the pocket and make that big-time throw when he needs to. And then he lets the game come to him and he makes big-time runs when he's supposed to as well. So look... These coordinators are developing quarterbacks, and the thing that I like about the University of Utah and BYU, and especially Aaron Roderick, and I don't, I I have been very very complimentary of Aaron Roderick because I don't think he gets enough credit with the whole John Beck thing, right? Like everybody's always talking about, oh yeah, well Jackson Dart goes to John Beck, Jaron Hall goes, everybody goes to John Beck, and I I'm not taking away from John Beck at all. I actually think he's a really really good quarterback coach. In fact, I refer kids to him here from the state of Utah from when I'm working with kids because I think that he's really connected and he does a really good job. But there's a difference between what I can do as a personal quarterback coach and what an offensive coordinator can do, and that is put him in situations in practice where he is seeing live bullets and he is seeing defenses and how they move and how they and how they rotate and all those sorts of things that you can't do as a personal quarterback coach. I can't bring 11 people to play defense against my little personal quarterback gotcha. coaching deal. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so so yes, John Beck did a great job of developing, but so did Aaron Roderick and I think the growth is taking place in those practices by preparing these quarterbacks to be NFL quarterbacks in these practices. Tyler Huntley's doing a great job because he understands defenses. Zach Wilson had a great season especially after his injury, and I think he's going to be a great NFL quarterback because he understands NFL, he understands defense. You can't do that in an individual quarterback session. So I'm right, not trying right. to take away from John Beck, but I am going to give compliments to Aaron Roderick and Andy Ludwig and and Anthony Tucker up at Utah State. I think these guys are getting better. I, I think Logan Bonner at Utah State got better during the season. He was much better at the end of the season than he was at the first of the season. Who's the best offensive mind in the state? Who? You named three. Are there any others? Shoot, I, I mean, I I think there's a lot of good coaches here. There's there's a lot of good coaches. I think I think Paul Peterson is a really good offensive mind down at Dixie State. I look just because you're on the Division One level or not on the Division One level doesn't, doesn't matter. mean that you're. I mean, I got it. I mean, I'd throw Ed Larson from Lehigh High School I about, and I was about and, to say and Ed Eric Kerr. Yeah, I think Ed Larson and Eric Kerr. I think you can throw them in there. Okay, these guys know offense. That's Lehigh man. and Corner Canyon High School. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't care what level they're at. I don't either. It doesn't. I'm not necessarily impressed. Coaching is coaching, in the way I look at it. Exactly. And so I listen. On the high school level, on the college level, in the state of Utah right now, it's never been better to play an offensive position. Because you're going to understand defenses, you're going to play at a high level, you're going to put up stats, you're going to do all the things that you have ever dreamt of doing. And there's a lot of really good coaches around the state of Utah. I don't just mean to highlight Eric Kerr and and Ed Larson. They're the first ones that come to mind. Sure, but there's yeah. a lot of good offensive coaches. There's a lot of good coaches in the state of Utah. You bring up the high school coaches, right? And 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 I have utmost respect for guys who coach high school and are really good at it. And for whatever reason, they're not at the higher level, but that doesn't take away from their talent. I'm wondering if they're almost like too good, because like you take somebody like Care, you know Jordan and and Corner Canyon, right? So he had these quarterbacks that just put up incredible numbers. And it was almost like they were too good, and it was it came too easy at the high school level, because then a lot of them who were all state and then all the stats and all that stuff and acclaim, they never really made it at the college level. I mean, Zach Wilson was the first quarterback, and he'd had like five all state quarterbacks to start a Division one game. You see where I'm going? Yeah. And it's like well, I actually it's almost like their coaching was too good, I and actually, the defense couldn't respond to the coaching so the quarterbacks weren't that good but those guys were so superior that they made the quarterbacks look way better than they were yeah, you buy dude, that theory dude <laughs> you could make that exact argument for ed larson when he was coaching in the jc levels at snow college and utah state he had eight eight all-american quarterbacks that went on to play division one football none of which have gone to the nfl yeah they so the, were unbelievable. Like, I mean, Mark Dunn at Rick's College, he he, he was unreal. Like, he won the, the the version of the Heisman Trophy at Rick's College, signed at Kansas State, went and played there, and just kind of never went. I mean, right. you can make an argument that Riley Jensen did really really well at Snow College, had an okay career. You know what I mean? And Ed Ed's always complaining to me. He's like, "What are you? What are you guys going to break through? <laughs> like, what do I got to do to get one of you guys to break through? Like, you know?" But I I think you could make that argument that like I I can tell you right now that my preparation at Snow College was ten times better than it was at Utah State. Ten times better. I knew exactly what was coming. I was prepared in practice. I knew exactly what the moving parts were, and I knew exactly what we were going to defend. And I was prepared mentally for each one of those games. And so, as a result, I played much better football. Almost too good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I, w- I was almost a better quarterback at Snow than I really was. Yeah, that's where I'm going. Yeah, like, I, I think you're right. Now, Zach Wilson's... Overcoming that for Eric, Kier. obviously, I you know th- this kid that's going to Ohio State is really good. Jackson Dart is really good. These guys are going to play in the NFL, right? But it's uh, it's that's an interesting argument. I mean, look, you look at uh, and, and Eric Care did it at Jordan and Corner Cannon. So like. To me, if he'd only been the coach at Corner Cannon, I think it'd be easy to criticize him. Like, oh, you have all the best players. Uh-huh. People transfer in, blah, blah, blah. But, dude, he had Alex Hart at Jordan. He had, I mean, he had like three or four quarterbacks that were thrown for like 4,000 yards and 40 yeah. touchdowns, right? Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then, you know, for all the hype that Skyridge gets and for all the hype that like these teams down in, in Provo get with Timpview and, and all these teams, right? 
Like Ed Larson's won two state championships in the last five years with. I mean, I kind of joke with him. I'm like, hey, how come you don't have 11 D1 players like Orem and Timpview and and Sky Ridge and everything else? He's like, oh, I don't know. You know, I'm like, because because you're an unbelievable coach. Uh-huh, right. He doesn't want to admit it. Right, right. I got you. But dude, like he doesn't. You go into the Timpview game. Everybody thinks Timpview is going to win against Lehigh, and then they beat him, and then they win a state championship. Right. Uh-huh. You go into these games, and they these other teams have 10, 11 Division One players. You go to Lehigh. I mean, there was one guy that stood out last year to me on Lehigh's team, and that was Terrell, and he was their defensive line. He got MVP of the state. And he was like a man among boys. But you watch Lehigh play, and you're like, dude, where's all the D one guys that you would think would be on a state championship team? And there isn't. There's right. just a bunch of really, really good players with phenomenal, really coaching. good high school players with good, good coaching. Yeah. And they got Jason Anderson down there that played in the NFL. He's their offensive line coach. They've got they've got all kinds of good coaches down there. But but you got to give credit to Ed for putting together a good staff too. And you got to put together, you know, Coach Care what he's done. I'm not sure there's been a run in high school football ever that he's put. Now, I know there's a lot of Skyline alumni that are driving off the road. Whatever, our Skyline <laughs> team. Dude, I'm telling you right now, your Skyline teams could not compete with these corner camp really? teams. They couldn't. They couldn't. At the highest level, 49 games in a row, 48 games in a row. Am I somewhere in the ballpark? Yuck. Yeah. I thought it was in the was it Four, It was forty eight yeah. straight. They tied the state they record. They tied with then Duchesne lost. and then yeah. lost. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that and Duchesne doesn't count to me as a record. <laughs> Duchesne's sorry. a one A power. Come Give him some dude, respect. I don't, I don't count them. I'm sorry. <laughs> Cowan out there is going to be sorry, calling I don't in. Count. I'm sure I know somebody's driving off the road right now in their Ford. <laughs> Ford pickup. Hey, leave their Duramax alone, okay? I'm just saying. Got the window down so I don't mean to offend. I don't mean to offend the Duchesne <laughs> Eagles. I'm glad you got their nickname right. That's I think right. I'm right. I think uh, I'm right on that one. I don't even know where it is, let alone uh, what. It's on the way to Vernal. I know it's, that. It's, it's just for this way. Get on US 40, drive east, you'll show up eventually. Right, right. Okay. No, but so these guys, these guys are really good coaches. Is the, is the whole point? I can't argue. And I think I think it is a really fun time to watch high school and college football in the state of Utah because before all of this that we just talked about today, it's been all about the defense. You got Kyle Whittingham, you got Gary Anderson, you got all these coaches that have like really, really built up the defense, and we've been known as a defensive state. Well, now the offense is coming around. Now, what do you say about the state of Utah? You can't say, oh, well, there's just a whole bunch of really good defensive coaches, or oh, there's a whole bunch. No, there's a whole bunch of really good football. It's a great time to play football in the state of Utah. That's why Lane Kiffin was in the state yesterday to visit the Dart family. I'd be visiting. I mean, yeah. I can't. I, I, I don't know that I get invited to the Darts House. <laughs> Just as a person. Yeah, I want to go. I want to go visit. All right, Darts, call me up. We'll I'll call. Visit. I'll call the Darts. See if I can go visit him this week. Do you think that he would have seriously more considered BYU if they had an? Uh, I use it in quotes. An opening. Yes. Like if Jaron Hall had, you know, finished his career and was. And and was done. I think I think there would be more likely of a shot for BYU to get him. He's got to play. I mean, there's. I think there's like two schools that it'd be okay for him not to play. That'd be like Alabama and Georgia. And they're both in the national championship. That's about the only two. Georgia. I, can think of. I don't know about that. If he didn't play there, 
Because I don't know that Bennett's an NFL quarterback. It's one thing to sit behind an NFL quarterback and then get your turn. Because I think now Alabama, if you go there, it's like basically if you play, if you start a quarterback at Alabama for one season, you're going. Yeah, you're looked at as an NFL dude now. That's what's what they didn't have ten years ago or fifteen. Well, years yeah, ago. and I think Mac now Jones. Do, right? I, I mean, you look at Mac Jones. He was the third, right, of Tua Tagovailoa. And Jalen Hurts, yeah. right? Right. You see that picture all the time. You're like, who's who's the Joker over on the left? Right. So you wait. And out now your he's time. not a Joker. No, 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 no. He's an <laughs> NFL starting quarterback. Right. And so you wait your time. I think that that looks favorably. It's like the old thing. If if you're a three star and SC offers you, all of a sudden you're a four star. Yeah, I, the the star thing is interesting to me. I think you guys have said to me before that Norm Chow told you that, like, hey, I need you to make this guy. Or he said that he could recruit a guy, and all of a sudden he'd be a four star. Right, right. So depending, but on I know. Who's listen, you I know the offers. I know when Tennessee was recruiting Zach Wilson, they were just hoping that he would be made a four star because he couldn't justify it to the boosters. He couldn't right. justify it to his head coach. Right. They would offer him in a heartbeat, but he was a three star. They liked him better than any quarterback on the board anywhere, but they couldn't justify it. <laughs> Seems so stupid, doesn't, doesn't it? it? <laughs> doesn't it seem stupid? But this is what happens. This is what. Listen, this this has happened for years, though. It's not like this is just beginning, where it's like, oh, I can't justify it. Like that's what I want to get into next is this whole idea of these quarterbacks and their ratings and whatnot, and relate it to the NFL because I find it fascinating. And there's four teams left. Right, and so you've got in the NFL that are still playing. They'll play on Sunday, right, for the right to go to the Super Bowl. And you look at the four quarterbacks, and some roll off all the impressive stats and uh, high school stuff and stars. And then there's two of them, not so much, but yet here they are, uh, you know, still standing. Or at least if you go back to last week, and you brought up Josh Allen, and obviously he wasn't uh, all that. His story. Is well documented, and yet he, you made a statement that I want you to share as far as what you thought of him in defeat. And stay with us. We'll get to that next. Coming up right here on DJ and PK 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Guys, guys, pay attention to what I'm about to tell you. Valentine's Day, just a couple of weeks away, right? Jimmy's Flowers can make it easy with ready-made or custom-designed arrangements. You can order today at jimmysflowers.com or visit their stores in Bountiful, Layton, or Ogden. That's Jimmy's Flowers. Quarterbacks have always intrigued me as far as the star rating because we see so many of them that, you know, they're four or five star, and we see that statistically in college the chances of these Elite 11 guys transferring is over 50%. It is extremely high, and in some cases, they transfer multiple times. And you look at the NFL level, so we've got four teams left, right? And we've got, uh, who do we got? we got KC and Cincinnati. All right, you got Joe Burrow. So he transferred from Ohio State to LSU, and then it just blew up. Couldn't have been better. Literally. Undefeated, Heisman Trophy, number one pick. He's in his second year. And he looks like he's got the world by the tail. He looks like he's going to be a superstar, right? Then you go to KC, and you got Mahomes, Texas Tech, and it's Big 12, but we wouldn't consider them high-level Big 12, right? But uh, he played for Kingsbury, didn't he? And uh, 
he looks like he's a Hall of Famer, right? Then you go over to the NFC, and you got Stafford, who you went to Georgia, right? Uh, is that where he went? Stafford didn't go to Georgia. Yeah, uh, and he was he was something that uh, you know you was predicted stardom, but they stunk in Detroit, and he never really got there. Uh, and now with the Rams, he has, and then you got Jimmy G. I think it's Eastern Illinois. That is way off. Him and Tony Romo. Yeah. Pride of Eastern Illinois. Eastern Illinois. So Eastern Illinois is producing Tony Romo and Jimmy G. Uh, over the uh, weekend, I went and saw American, uh, what's American Underdog? American Underdog. Yeah, the Kurt Warner story. Uh, and we know about him, Northern Illinois. And no, he's Northern it? Iowa. Did I say Illinois? Yeah, yeah, Northern Iowa, the Panthers. I don't know why I had Illinois on my mind because right. of... Uh, Eastern Illinois. Yeah. Uh, Northern Iowa and the Panthers, and that was he was like four or five years out of college before he f- he made the Rams. They made Vermeil seem like uh, he was the one who f- discovered um, Warner, and then he goes on to a Hall of Fame career. Wow! They're saying he's the best undrafted player in the history of football. A little side Dick Vermeil story when I was working in California. I was doing a story on on a college player who played for Vermeil at UCLA, and um, I had I was I talked to the guy and and I wanted to get in touch with him. He was I forget the guy he was he he couldn't play. They wouldn't let him be healthy. They wouldn't let him play at uh, for Vermeil in college because of health reasons. And he went someplace else and he played in the NFL. And of course, I can't remember. So and Vermeil was coaching Philadelphia at, at the time. So I got his number. From somebody, I got him. I think I taught somebody who was coaching at Kansas City, and I got his number. And I called him at home, and it was in the off season, it was in February, March. And I call him up, hey coach. I work for Daily Breeze in in Torrance, California. How'd you get my number? Why are you calling me? <laughs> just, <laughs> just reaming me. <laughs> uh, 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 do you want me to hang up? <laughs> no. He was so aggressive toward me. <laughs> yeah, I just want a couple of quotes about a you, player. Man. You know what's interesting about him? He would be the guy in my life that before I met him, he was the guy that just had this great reputation, this tender heart, the guy that would cry over yeah, his he was always players, crying, like, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, all this stuff. And he's probably the most firm and like dress you down type of guy I've ever like ever been around. Yeah. I saw him speak up at the University of Utah to like the Utah Coaches Association. Dude, the dude's hardcore. Yeah. Like he's a hardcore football guy. When he quit, he was legitimately burned out because he was busy dressing people down his whole career. Like I mean, I'm telling you, yeah, he, that guy did not mess around. He ringed me out for calling him, and uh, that doesn't surprise me. Then, then he settled down. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I love your answer. You want me to hang up? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just pissed. Yeah, he was. And I, I, some, uh, I think he was, was. I can't remember the guy's name, but he was an assistant coach with the Chiefs. And he knew him, and he was the one who gave me his number. Uh, so, and you play, you know, you just keep calling people to get what you want. And I always found in reporting, uh, the more I put time into it, the more I got what I was looking for. And so, anyway, but uh, Vermeil, if you if you go watch the movie, it seems like he was the one credited with uh, getting uh, Kurt Warner on the field. And how do you explain? How do you explain guys who? Don't have any stars, and go to big sky schools, so to speak. Uh, not you know, not necessarily literally big sky, right. but that that type of level. Whereas other dudes, 
just got all the credentials in the world, and they just end up being massive. But Matt Leinard, so, Matt Leinard, was like a hero. And dude, he was he was nothing. Like, he was like Broadway Joe in L.A. When Precisely he was in, in in college. He really right? was. It's an excellent example or a comparison. Yeah, and yet and, and he flamed out. Josh Rosen. I thought Josh Rosen was going to be a player in the NFL. He was the Rosen one. Yeah, <laughs> right. Dude, I remember being on your show and talking, like, when I met him in person, like, his hand wrapped around my Rod- hand, Rosen? like, three times. And I was like, I'm telling you, this guy's a big-time guy. It was he, he had graduated early, and he'd gone, and I'd gone to spring ball with Ed Larson and Alemateo and a couple guys. We were just, like, checking things out, right? Uh-huh. I shook his hand. I mean, he w- he was all of six five. His hands wrap around my hand like three times. I'm like, dude, I I'm a believer, right? And then he just flamed out. Yeah, I, I do have a theory us, on this. Man. I have a theory on this. Good. I have a really really good theory on okay, this. Okay, I'm listening. I think when you're giving too much too early, it puts out your flame. Really. So there are a couple exceptions to this rule, and I think today you you mentioned one. I think Stafford might be an exception to the rule. But for the most part, you start looking through NFL quarterbacks that have lasted a long time. Most of the time, they didn't get to go to their first choice. So Philip Rivers grew up in Alabama in between Auburn and Alabama. You think he wanted to play at NC State? You think that was his first choice? No. Okay. Drew Brees grows up in Texas. You You think Purdue was his first choice? No. Okay, with the exception of the Manning brothers and maybe Stafford, I could make a case that every single quarterback that's worth his salt isn't exact, didn't play exactly where he wanted. Or you have a story like Tom Brady at Michigan, but he wasn't really highly recruited. Oh, no. He got into Michigan and then he was a sixth round pick. So there's a whole bunch of things that were not given oh, yeah, to him. That, sure, and they even played the the Henson kid. His dad used to be the offensive coordinator yeah. at Utah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played the Henson kid over him right. a couple of times right. at, at Michigan, right? That's a fact. So all of these quarterbacks have these stories that like keep the fire like lit. They, they keep and you, you can go okay. So Eastern, I Air, put Elway in that too. Okay, so Elway. So there are a few exceptions, yeah. but I would say for the most part, when you're looking at NFL quarterbacks that were worth their salt. That are worth their salt. You can draw a story that's comparable to all this. I mean, let's look at Jimmy Garoppolo, Eastern Illinois. I guarantee you, Eastern Illinois was not his first choice. I got to be the next Tony Romo. Josh Allen, Wyoming. I think. Okay, so maybe that was his first choice. Right? It was his only choice. Dude, my dad. It was his only choice. When my dad. When my dad was the tennis coach at Utah State, he used to joke that when coaches would recruit to Wyoming, there was a one-way train ticket. <laughs> <laughs> they don't let they don't pay for the train home. <laughs> like yeah. right? Good old Laramie. You know, Laramie's just not the place that I think Josh Allen thought, yeah, dude, I'll go to Laramie. I'll create myself a nice career and go to the NFL. <laughs> you know? Like, I don't think that was his dream. You know? You can even make you can even make an argument with Joe Burrow that his first choice was Ohio State well, and was. they rejected him. I mean, and he went to there. LSU and he made lemon he made Although, lemon although maybe that because uh they had uh perceived NFL quarterbacks at Ohio State. Maybe it's a Right, Jackson. but what have those quarterbacks done that are ahead of him? I guarantee you well, that nothing. flamed him. I guarantee nothing. you that, I mean, that put a flame uh, Haskins. on Haskins. Haskins was the guy, wasn't he? 
And so he's and, maybe he'll and win the starting even job in a Pittsburgh. Way, I don't know. Even in a way, I could make an argument with Stafford on this. I mean, played in Detroit, and people have been hacking on him forever. Like, right. Even during the season, when they have like a loss, they're like, "Yep, yeah, see, he's not mentally tough enough. He doesn't have what it takes." Well, all he did was beat Tom Brady on the road. All he did is win two playoff games. Now, I mean, the dude can play, and I think he's hungry. Yeah. And when you have quarterbacks that are hungry, they play better football. Period. End of story. You get too many accolades early as a quarterback. If you don't have some sort of story like this, it's hard to keep the flame alive because you're like, yeah, dude, I'm freaking Matt Liner. I'm the I'm the stuff weekends are made of. Why aren't you bowing down to me? Well, because it's the NFL, which stands for not, not for long, right? <laughs> if you bring that kind of an attitude into it. You know what I mean? But you literally, like, you, I mean, tweet it at me if you want. Give me some more examples of guys that, like, actually got exactly what they wanted besides, like, Manning, Elway. There's not very many. You can make an argument for almost every single kid. I mean, these guys are playing at schools that you would not expect. I mean, the the New York Giants, he he started at Duke. Do you think Duke was his first choice? Speaking of Jones. uh, Yeah, yeah, Jones. Yeah, to play basketball. Yeah, because he played basketball. Good point. Good point, right? Like, I'm sure that Duke was his first choice to play football. Like, he was like, yeah, if I could just go to Duke, like, I could be the starter for the New York Giants. These guys guys play big-time football, and they make it to big-time football because they're still hungry, and they still have something to prove. And Tom Brady is the greatest person I've ever seen on manufacturing anger. Like, I remember when they drafted Mallet out of Arkansas, he was ticked. Yeah. Oh, you think I'm done with my career? Like, oh, I'll show Dude, Mallet has been in and out of the league for longer than Tom Brady is. Yeah. You know? Yeah, same thing with Aaron Rodgers. And here was Aaron a kid. Aaron Rodgers who, played a Butte Junior College. Right. Junior College. Yeah. I mean, I have nothing against junior college, but it's not exactly the route that I thought I was going to take. Right, and he's uh, going to be a Hall of Famer. And as the story goes, Tedford was the coach at Cal. He goes up there to watch somebody else. He didn't even go there with the intent to, i got to watch Aaron Rodgers. And then he brings him on, and then it takes, I think his first time getting in the, doing anything was when they played the Utes when Urban was coaching on a, like a Thursday or Friday night. Uh, and the Utes beat him. When, uh, yeah, they they put him in. In that situation. And you can go Alex Smith, too, with the one scholarship offer. Right. I mean, I'm just telling you, you can go. But I actually think you can do this on almost any position, too. There's a, there's a lot of guys that, that, are, that are like Hall of Fame type guys that, that didn't play at major universities. No or question. at least not at their first choice. So you got to have them knocked down first. You do, dude. There's something to be said for the the old Chinese proverb, right? You get knocked down seven times, get up eight, you're a success. Hmm. I mean, there's something to be said for it. Oh, yeah, I can hear you, man. I feel like that's a little I, bit of a story in my life. Well, I guarantee you. I guarantee you. Like, well, I'm not gonna. T- I'll tell you offline what my what my million dollar idea is, but. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it would be a good idea to say it to all of your listeners, that, and then all of a sudden I see oh, someone else making Oh, those BYU money. entrepreneurs. <laughs> but, but I think that I, I think that I could do a great interview with you, and and see that it's not a straight line to success. I could do a great interview with Aaron Roderick and see that it's not a straight with Kalani Sataki, with with Kyle Whittingham, with and you would and and it, and it would be a really really fun story to tell. I got you. That that's interesting. That's interesting how that plays out. And when you think about it, yeah, to, to have some form of being knocked down in order to be successful uh, is is it almost a requirement? You know, somebody, I'd almost say that it is. Yeah, that's for now, now. Not not for like to be good, but to be great. Like no, I got you. One of I the greats. I want to talk about how this uh, transfer portal has. Basically, I don't know if revolutionize is the right phrase, but dramatically changed recruiting. We'll get to that next day. Well, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. The rules in any sport are not perfect, but I love it when teams go right to let's blame the rules and forget about the rest of the darn game. Remember that uh, what was a perceived pass interference call with the Saints game that yeah. they wouldn't right. shut up about for two years? Right. We get focused on, oh, the rules are bad. No, they're not. You're bad. Yeah, correct. Again, You're so, many, bad. so many of the things can be fixed by just making the stop. For, for people today to be like, change the overtime yeah. rules, you're ignoring bad decisions. You're ignoring bad play. Look at them letting Kansas City score with 13 seconds left to go. Uh, them throwing it to Travis Kelsey. Of course they're going to throw it to Travis Kelsey. You're Correct. not guarding that guy? Yes. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Every day from 10 to noon on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Hey, we got a giveaway, man. We are giving away a family four-pack of tickets to watch the Salt Lake City Stars take on the Rio Grande, Rio Grande Valley Vipers. That's February 1st. It's coming up next week at Bruin Arena, where obviously it's on the campus of Salt Lake Community College. So you need to be caller number 12. The lucky caller number 12 will win a family four-pack of tickets to watch the SLC Stars take on the Rio Grande Valley Vipers February 1st at Bruin Arena right there at SLCC. And that's still what? Uh, today's the 25th, so that's what? Next uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever that is? Uh, yeah. And uh, at that point, the Jazz will have some of their guys back, so you'll see some of the guys that you saw last night probably play in that game and you get to be up close have a good time so be caller number 12 and we'll send you out there family four pack to watch the stars the future is coming for sure the jazz got a bunch of guys who played stars basketball so that's legit uh, all right dj and pk dj is off today and we've got Riley Jensen sitting in college football, high school football extraordinaire. Also does a lot of work. How do you how do you describe yourself again? What's Met, your, mental performance coach. Mental performance coach. Yeah, I knew that's what it is. And you work with a lot of different people, a lot of different colleges. And I know you do some stuff with the Jazz too. Uh, so you're a busy man. We appreciate you coming in, and you're involved in so many things, man. You've got like a 15 jobs. I mean, it's just amazing. Well, that way, if I lose one, it's not <laughs> detrimental to the family. Well, you know, and, and two, two. I, I really love this, Riley. You know, I've known you for a long time, and I appreciate your friendship. Uh, I, 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 I love dudes who set themselves up. Okay, this is what I want to do. 
And you, you did it, I mean, it's not like you're an old-timer, but you did it a little later, and you went and you got all your certifications, you set it up, you set yourself a, a goal, and you achieved it, and nothing got in the way. And it's so cool to see guys who, and I'm by guys, I mean general neutral, I'm not talking about, it could be man, woman, doesn't matter. And they set themselves, they've got a goal, they've got a vision, they work toward it, and then when they get there, they're succeeding. I don't care. We see that in sports. We talk about the Kurt Warner underdog story, and that's great. But it applies in all aspects of life, whatever it might be. And sports is visible. But what you're doing, you set it up, and you had the vision to do it, and now you're doing it, and you're reaping the benefits of your hard work. And I really believe in that, man. No BS aside. Guys who... People who work for something and then they attain it and then they have success with it. I love that stuff. Absolutely love it. And to see you I, I have really success is awesome. It, 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 it took everything I had. Right. It was very scary. Right. But you, I think I think that's what this life is about, right? Like I, I don't mean to get like wax poetic too much here, but like I, eventually in this life, if we don't figure out that we got to lean into some of those fears, then then it's going to be a long life, right? And Oh yeah, yeah. I've been very fortunate. I I had thought about being in sports psychology for like 15 years. And uh, my wife, I came home from work one day and she goes, what in the hell are you doing? I had no idea <laughs> like, what was going on. I had a good job. I was working for Stryker Medical, selling hospital beds and stretchers. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, what? I have no idea what you're talking about. She's like, you hate your job. Yeah. And I'm like... No, I don't. I'm making good money. We got a three-year-old. We got we got a newborn. Like, what are, what are you talking about? She's like, I don't even know what you want to do. What is it you want to do? And I go, you know what I want to do. And she goes, sports psychology? And I go, yeah. And she goes, what have you done about it? Like, at least put it on my table. And so I was very fortunate that my wife at least spurred that moment. Yeah. I, I knew that I had been thinking about it, but I didn't think it was an option to come home from work. And do so, it. Yeah. And, and actually do it. And so there, there was some divine intervention. I don't want to say that I was like... Well, you need breaks along the way. There were some breaks, yeah. but it it, I mean, it you took your own breaks, as far it, as I'm concerned. It took some it it took some digging deep. So I really wanted to do sports radio. I tell the story when I was going to ASU, they started sports radio from 10 p.m. to midnight, and I had a job and I and I worked five days, five nights a week, and I'd get off at 10 o'clock, and I had a like a 40 minute drive till I got back to the east side I was working on the west side of the valley and I had to go back to east side in Tempe and uh, so I would listen to it every night Monday through Friday and I thought man I really want to do it and uh, you know I subbed for years and years about the old 1320 and then 12A started and I, I finally got the job right and I and I call home tell my father I said dad man I got this radio job I start I'm going to have my own show I'm going to co-host it with a nerd it'll be great and uh, you know what he says to me? First thing he says to me, you're not quitting that newspaper job, are you? <laughs> Literally. He pulled the grit young. He pulled Steve Young's that. Okay, that's your dream. What's your plan? And he said, <laughs> it's a true story. He said, all I know, and he must have been, uh, let's see, uh, 60, 65 at the time. He said, all I know is every morning my whole life, that newspaper is on my curb. It's there. Every, and he he read three newspapers a day when we lived in Jersey. And then he got the Arizona Republic when we moved to Phoenix. And he said that uh, 
It's been there. I don't know about this radio thing, but I know this newspaper thing is solid. And I had another guy tell me, hey, be careful on the radio. Uh, it works if it's your second job. You're, you have to have another job that's your wife, and the radio has to be your mistress. <laughs> because it's not going to last. Uh, I got to go for it, man. I got to do it. I got to do it. And then five years, so I did both for five years, and then five years later I quit the newspaper and did all this. And here we are 20 years later, knock on wood, it looks like I'm going to be able to ride it some more. So it worked. And then I like to think that you know I was a success through work. I didn't have a dad who got me in it. I didn't have a brother. I had friends. I had Gordon Monson. Craig Boljack helped. He's coming up here at the top of the hour. Ian Furness helped. And these guys helped me along the way. And I'm grateful for them uh, to be able to do that. So anyway, that's something that I really appreciate. Before we get out of here, I talked about how much has recruiting been changed by the transfer portal? Because I'm wondering now, if you need to, if you need quick fixes, you know, used to be junior college, why bother going with the high school kids? Why not just pick off grad transfers? Well, I, I, not just grad transfers, but transfers. I think on the surface, I think that seems like pretty obvious, right? Like, why not just go to the portal? And I think there's no question that Division One coaches are going to the portal. Um, you can take the nefarious or the heinous version of like going to the portal, and that is like, yeah, get them to transfer in. Now they can't go anywhere because they only get one free trade, right? They only get one time where they get to where they get to transfer without any sort of penalty. Right, so get them in, and then they're stuck. Well, unless you're a grad transfer, I think you can take advantage of that, even if you've used the grad undergrad. But, true, but if you're a grad transfer, you're only going to have like one year left anyway. Right, so you're not as marketable. You might have two. You're not as marketable. Right, I, I got it. Right, so so the idea is some of these coaches are using it that way. Other coaches are just super excited about this. Like, wow, I don't have to go to a junior college. I can go to a team that are he's already been getting Division One training. He's already been getting Division One like feed, if you will, and we're just going to bring them in and we can plug and play. But there is a little bit going on right now, and there is some version of, like, there's better high school players right now available than there's ever been. It seemed to make sense. And there's better junior college players available than there's ever been. Because a lot of those guys have been getting overlooked because of the portal. And then all of a sudden... Coaches are having to work really, really hard for these next two, three weeks to get this this really, really good crop of players because there's still really good high school players and really good junior college players out there. They've just been overlooked a little bit because everybody's going to the portal first. And in every sport that I've talked to, they're going to the portal first and then to the high schools. So would colleges then be reserving scholarships? Let's yes. keep 10 available, whatever it might yes. be? Yes. In fact, that's almost exactly what the number is. It's a third. So Division One schools are keeping a third of their scholarships available for the portal, and then they're offering like 15 kids out of high school. So that's significant to high school players. Everybody's going, well, I don't understand why this kid's not being recruited. I'm like, because it's a different game now. Yeah, yeah. It's a different game. Yeah, you might amazing. have to take a different route. Right, right. The the change that we've seen in the last couple of years has really just absolutely it's, been amazing, and I don't even think the dust is settled. Like no. we're gonna we're we're gonna have to figure out what this really looks like going forward. Right. But right now, it's the wild west because you're talking about free agency without contracts. There you go. Yeah. All right, Craig Bullerjack will hit some jazz coming up next. Stay with us. 97.5, 1280 of the zone. Got to tell you about 
The Ford Fan Zone. Purchase a Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat ticket to an upcoming game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream. And it starts as low as 30 bucks per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or you can call 325-2999, 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat tickets now. Joining us is Craig Bolajak, Mr. Bolajak, David James. He did not win Sportscaster of the Year, so he needs needed a week off to recover because it's been very difficult for him and and he's oh. he's with some strategy people and they're going to map out something so he can get that thing back where yeah. it rightly yeah. belongs so yeah uh, forgive yeah. him you know he needs to take a little time yeah. up he needs a session with riley by the way there you go riley jensen's joining <laughs> us riley yeah needs that motivational you know uh. they need a half hour at least together craig good to have you on man you're a gentleman and a scholar i appreciate hey, it my friend it's good to, you know what you've been hanging out you know i kind of watch what you're doing but it's good to have you on there with pk you guys sound good what's happening yeah we've been talking a lot of stuff from riley with the sports psychologist and i would i've been complimenting him about uh, how he's a self-made man took a career change and succeed took a leap a leap of faith yeah. with his wife and succeeded and now he's just knocking out of the park and i told a story about when i first got my first uh sports radio gig and my dad said, well, yeah, just make sure you don't quit that paper, son, because I don't know about that sports radio stuff. And then we were talking about having to receive breaks along the way. And everybody has to receive some kind of break. And yes. I'll play it into where we're going with this. But I just wanted to publicly put it out there that one of the guys who was in my corner 20-some years ago was Craig Bowlerjack. And I don't know that I've ever really acknowledged that to you. So I'm doing that right now to thank you for the support that I had that you gave me in furthering my my opportunities to get where I am, and I Absolutely. and I certainly appreciate that. Hey, man, are you going through like a ten step process today? <laughs> hey, we're just digging into his brain a little bit. We're we're making him feel better uh, about his situation. You know, I was thinking about that as I'm watching the ball game against the Suns, right? Because it, it, it I want to say it's unparalleled, but it's happened a couple of times where all the uh, dudes that we know and love aren't playing. So then you get to see these these youngster guys get out. And Rudy Gay's not a youngster and I get that and Clarkson is an established guy and maybe Pascal to an extent but pretty much everybody else is out there trying to prove their worth and it's the old Jerry Sloan line hey it's not just us you got all these other teams in the league so in a sense I mean they lost the game and and you know the Suns they're really good obviously but it's refreshing in a sense to see guys out there Playing for their livelihoods because it's a story of like uh, like me and Riley and I'm sure you ha- you had it too back when you get some breaks you have to fight and prove yourself and yeah. and we see somebody like a uh, probably the most impressive to me was a Trent Forrest now I'm thinking this guy is going to have a place in the league whether it's with the Jazz or whomever and ultimately that's the goal is to have a place in the league and his performance to me was impressive enough to think all right he's got something here yeah. You know, he's played well. It's it's consistently, you know, two over the last couple, three or four games that he's had an opportunity to play with Donovan Mitchell out. And, you know, Mike was out again last night on the back-to-back. Last week he went back-to-back. This week he didn't. In fact, you know, when I got the word that all five starters plus Joe would be out, I thought, wow, this could be a really ugly night. But, you know, to your point and to Riley's point, you guys, about competition and the mental part of it, has so much to play in. I think uh, over my years in the broadcast business, every game is unpredictable because as Jerry Sloan always said to us, 
in the broadcast, in the media field, in those interviews, in his gruff voice, you know, hell, everybody's out there looking at, you know, your <laughs> resume. He always talked about your resume. And the 29 other, you know, eyeballs are on you. Uh, and that's why you have to go out and bust your tail every night. And I thought last night was a prime example of players who said to themselves, look, I'm in the NBA. Look, I know it's Chris Paul and Devin Booker. I get it. But uh, and the best team in the league by the re- by record wise. But no, I was excited to see uh, the energy, the effort that was put forth last night. And there were several guys, Jared Butler. Sometimes we forget about this guy who won a national championship at Baylor, came out and played high level. Pascal has got you know game that you know again maybe will turn even more heads in the Jazz organization when they go small ball. Rudy Gay's a competitor, despite as you said, 16 years. Uh, in the league, but you know, I, I just thought there were moments last night. Daniel House Jr. He wants to be on this team. He wants to have another shot, as you guys are both discussing. Take the opportunity, and you get to be signed, and you never know what happens. Right, two ten days, and I know he wants a regular roster spot, but he, you know, at his size last night, he kind of proved that he can, you know, hang with the bigs. It wasn't taking on a a team that's struggling. It's it's the it's the high level Phoenix Suns. Granted, they didn't have Crowder and DeAndre Ayton last night, but that was a fairly loaded team last night. And, you know, you can arguably say the best backcourt in the NBA. And I thought the Jazz, you know, just played played loose free and they had an attitude of I'm not going to be intimidated. And um, I, I liked what I saw. Craig, I think you're uniquely qualified to answer this question. And, and obviously the Jazz have struggled with <clears throat> some injuries, with some guys staying out. With, with different things that are going on, but how hard is it for you and, and and for an NBA player when you're on the road as much as you are and when you're when you're on the train and when you're on the planes and, and you're in these different stadiums, how hard is it to bring it every single night? I mean, what kind of a mental strain does that put on an, uh, an NBA player and even yourself? Well, you know, I'd say I can't imagine what it's like right now. Look, they took us off the road before Christmas because of COVID. So my challenge, Riley, is real simple, and we don't talk about it much, but I call games by myself with Big T when Holly's available and not on our ESPN assignments. Last night it was just the four of us, uh, Holly, myself, an audio uh, called an A2 uh, that was up at the arena, and there's no one there. I mean, there was four of us just sitting there up on the third floor calling the game off the Jumbotron. So that's the challenge is just try to bring energy when I'm not even there, you know, and, and feel it and try to relate that to fans. And, you know, we've been through it here multiple times. Um, I'll be honest, I don't like it. You know, I'm, I think all of us are better when we interact uh, with people. The energy that I feel in the building and from fans, and it all brings it, you know, into – uh, you encapsulate it, you know, and your your body feels it. You know, it's the energy, it's the moment, and those are the things I miss the most. Uh, and for the players, I can't imagine. You know, again, they've been through it. You know, the bubble, uh, the testing, uh, and I think just the mental strain uh, that goes through it. Now, fans don't want to hear that, right? Because they always say, "Well, they get paid to play." I get it, but still, you know, they they still have a human element here now that this is a stressful time for everyone because they have families as well. They they're concerned about kids, you know, Joe Ingles, you know, trying to protect, you know, his young kids Conley the same way. So, 
you know, um, I hope that we find, you know, the, the sky and the sun breaks through and we get to another level here because it's kind of a rinse and repeat cycle and it does wear on you mentally. And, and, um, you know, personally, the, the road, the road is fatiguing, but at the same time, I think the better broadcasts come from when you're actually on site and you can actually tell the people at home what's happening outside of your, just your 45 inch, you know, or the jumbotron screen view. What's happening in my left? What's happening in my right? What's coaches and players doing? What's happening in the stands? Those are the things I miss and, and miss the energy of, of the fans in just a moment. Jazz are eight games back of the Suns now. It looks like the best record in the in the West, at least, is is which is probably be the best record in the league. But anyway, it looks like that's gone. And I, I am surprised to a degree. I don't want to say a cavalier attitude. But obviously, you know, they had some injuries, and, and Gobert probably wouldn't have played no matter what, and Conley's got his situation and, and bogey. But, you know, it seems to me they could have played O'Neal and Ingles, uh, but they're choosing not to. So they're sort of making a statement that, you know, we're not interested in pursuing the best record in the league. And, and ultimately, you know, when the playoffs start and the ball goes up in the air, and the record that you had in the regular season doesn't really matter. I, I understand that because they had it last year and still didn't get out of the second round. But what do you think their concern is as far as maybe third, fourth, fifth, even sixth in the standings? Do they do they care about that? That's a great question, PK. The only thing I can refer to is Quinn Snyder. If you've listened to, to the Zoom cast, the Zoom reporting, when he speaks, he really continues to refer to about preparate, preparation and being playoff ready at game 70. Now, you know, that's uh, what are we tomorrow night? We'll be playing game 49. Uh, so we're 48 in, 49 tomorrow night. So you got about 20, 21 games to get things right. He wants to be at a high level with one focus. And, you know, a lot of teams, PK and, and Riley in the league, they'll always say that the seedings are overplayed. Maybe for some, but not all. The home court plays a big role. I think it does for the Jazz. I mean, this is an incredible fan base, and that home court advantage, I think, plays into a big favor for the Jazz. Maybe not all teams, but I think it does for Utah. Um, that's how solid the fans are during the regular season and obviously at a higher level during the playoffs. So I think this year they did learn something from last season. To be honest, the 52 wins look great on paper, but if you can't push it past the next level, past round two, and that's where they've been the last two seasons, you know, two and out. What's it take to get even to the Western Conference Finals? Well, health for one, right? That's the one thing about Phoenix, in my opinion, is that Chris Paul's healthy. Uh, was last year and has been able to keep healthy this season, and it's proven in the record. He's the perfect fit for Devin Booker as a facilitator and leads the league in assists. I mean, you saw that last night uh, if you watched the game. So I, I to your question, I think the Jazz learned a lot last year. It was it was a lot of pressure. I think they're feeling pressure too this year, which Riley may come into the equation of why they've had some ups and downs. Now look, COVID and injuries is part of a an eighty two game schedule, but you've got to work through the fact that expectations are part of the next level. Champions have to be able to handle the pressure, right, and work through it, understand it. In fact, almost um, I don't know. I would say embrace it 
and I think the Jazz are still in that learning process on how to handle expectations, and that may be part of the equation of, of uh, what we've seen over the last month with this team. Um, so we'll see how it works out. There's talent there, but there's a lot of talent in the West. I think it just depends on who's, who's on target and, and basically who's the healthiest when, uh, when late April comes around and you, and you jump into the, uh, the postseason. Yeah, in in that regard, you know, to me, I, I understand where they're coming from to be able to just make sure you're playing your best ball uh, as far as that goes when it re- when it matters the most because ultimately that's you're gonna how you're gonna be judged. And we've had a couple of games here where virtually no starters are were available. I mean that that and you you go back you go back as long as anybody in the market you know to and I was I was talking about uh, earlier. Uh, I think Thurl's first nine years in the league, he missed a total of four games. But in one year when he got traded, he played 84, which is two above the, the the maximum, really. So those four games got reduced to two. And we all know about the statues and Mark Eaton. They were just out there every single time. And you can't really pin it upon the, the Jazz because it's not unique to them. It just seems like that that's the way the league is right and i'm wondering does anybody care about where they're where they're seated i mean and you can make the argument why should you because milwaukee was fourth and they won it all yeah no that's that's uh, i think where people judge tk you this is a great conversation because the regular season fans come fans pay Fans buy merchandise, fans buy concessions, and it's a long stretch of six months of 82. And you make a great point. During the Sloan, Larry Miller, Jerry Sloan, John Stockton, Jeff Onasek era, there was a more attitude amongst the coaches, ownership, and players that it was a a badge of honor uh, to fight through uh, any type of injury. I mean, it's folklore. Right, Riley and PK. Every you always hear something crazy about some athlete, you know. But for it's it's the big ankle sprain of one Carl Malone that was the size of a damn grapefruit, and he continued to wrap it with tape and play. Yeah, John Stockton's elbow. He could not. He only shot with one hand. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you hear these folklorish type stories, but in some reality, it it, it it, I think it reflected on the coach as well. Jerry was that type of guy. I mean, you know, he came from that era where NBA ball players fought each other. Uh, they, 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 you know, smoked cigarettes at halftime, right? <laughs> it was, it was like, you know, all we knew, all they knew to do was to go play, and they were going to scrap and and beat each other on the floor. That was the pride. Then all of a sudden, you got teams or a superstar who wanted to recruit a buddy or another or some other teammate to, to form these super teams. And then that all changed. And I think getting back to coming back to square one, the, the league, obviously you want to play well. And, and I still think you want to find yourself a home court advantage, but there's more of an attitude now being prepared uh, for the postseason and to get healthy, which means they will rest players. Uh, they won't let a, a, a player maybe aging like Mike. Uh, they want to make protect him because you know what, two PK and Riley, it's a bigger investment than it was during Carl and John's day. You know, thirty million dollar contracts are in vogue, and so ownership uh, and coaches and the and the medical staff realize, look, 
uh, we've got to protect our investment, also the interest of what we're trying to accomplish, and ultimately that's an NBA championship. Fans want that, and if they have to suffer through a month where you don't have a star player or two on the floor, then that's part of the sacrifice to get to the top. And hopefully the Jazz get healthy. I mean, this COVID is real, and they just happen to be the last team in the league. They protected themselves very well. I salute that because we went through some of the same protocol they did uh, as a broadcast group. But, uh, you know, it was their turn. And right now it hurts. But can you turn it around, refocus, Riley Wright? I mean, I think that's part of the whole mental – part of this, right, is not just winning ball games, but how mentally sound are you when the time comes to play in the postseason? Yeah, I, th- I think there's no question that, look, it's a long season, and I think that's what rookies always talk about. I-, I saw something yesterday with Kobe Bryant where he was just talking about when he airballed those four or five shots against the Jazz and lost the series, and he was talking about what he learned from it. And he, he said, I learned that it's a long season, that the most games I'd ever played in a season was 35, and there I was on game you know 90 trying to trying to win it in the last seconds. And the mentality that he took from that and the mentality that you have to learn at this point in the season is so is so vital and i i think that's true whether you're whether you're on the road traveling with them whether you're whether you're at your own job i mean there's just there's part of every year that's kind of the doldrums of your job and you have to figure out how to fight through it and have the right mentality to be able to be successful right yeah, and Riley, I get asked this all the time. I mean, PK is a, a salty vet, right? But he still <laughs> learns, right? And don't you? Isn't that true to the case of whether you're four years, five years, nine years, fifteen years, sixteen years in the league? The why? The reason why you're there is because you still are hungry. I would guess, and right, and you still have the ability to adapt and learn. I mean, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, I think that there's some science to back that up, but I also think that that all of us anecdotally can just look at that and say, yeah, absolutely. I think I think that growth mindset, that that mindset to just like continue to grow and progress, or to be a lifetime lifetime learner, is what makes most of the great ones great. Right? They they never stopped learning and progressing and growing, and uh, those those are the people that I'm looking at to be successful. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. Great point. Because I look at, uh, you know, how does Chris Paul keep the edge? I look at Rudy Gay. How do they keep the edge? How does LeBron, how does LeBron keep the edge? You know, how did Carl and John do it? I mean, those are, those are special high-level players that, you know, you'd almost have to really sit down and study for a while to understand what drove them to greatness, but also the, the pursuit of it and not being fatigued. You're finally saying, ah, I'm done. I don't see that in LeBron right now. Not at I mean, all. It's, it's, he's playing at an, again at a high level at 37. Yeah, for sure. And so is Tom Brady. Now, what he does, I don't know. But, you know, to get knocked out, you have to wait and not make a knee-jerk reaction. But at 44, man, I was so impressed with the way he, he handles the field, his teammates, and just the athletic ability he still possesses. It's Some of these guys are amazing. They really are. They spend a lot of money, right, on taking care of their body. So before I let you go, Greg, I don't want you to – you don't have to comment on – the political nature of the issue, but I wanted to hit you up with jo- the John Stockton thing, and right. I'm not looking for your, you know, if you want to get it, you can, but that's not the point. It just you know him very well. Uh, how surprised are you that he has put himself in the public spotlight? Because it seemed like that yeah. was something that he always ran the opposite direction from. 
I was stunned. I got to be honest, because as you know, PK, you tried, I tried, everyone tried to get the, 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 the interview, right. To get to really get to know John. And he would toy with us a little bit in the media. Never really was rude. You know, he told me, hey, Bowler, I'll talk to you after the game about my elbow. Okay. And then when I asked him, here's what he said. I said, John, tell me about the elbow. Bowler, it's fine. Yeah. That was it. (laughs) That was it. (laughs) You know, I thought I was in for like a scoop, and he was going to tell me exactly what went down. But, you know, he pulled the strings on me. But that was John. And we just kind of got used to it. And he never... Never wanted the spotlight. I remember, you know, he just said, Malone will take care of that. Yeah. And, you know, Carl loved the camera. He did. And John was able to just sidestep away and sneak away, and that's the way he wanted it. He goes, I don't understand, you know, Bowler, honestly, why people want to talk to me. I said, John, you got to be kidding because you're one of the most elite point guards to ever play this game. But he just saw it as a job. So to your question, PK, honestly – very surprised that he's been this vocal, this public uh, about and, and controversial, uh, and even Gonzaga when that came out, uh, what yesterday or was it over the weekend that right, they right. rescinded his tickets? You yeah. know, I thought, wow, this is just something. I'm surprised John would even wade into. I know uh, on a public stage, but it is what it is, and people are obviously have opinions that we all know uh, in the last couple of years that have come forth that we never thought. Some friends or families, you know, members think and believe. And here's another example of what one individual truly in his heart uh, believes is truth. Um, I think you still have to be careful. I, I, I researched myself some of the athletes he professed that had dropped dead on the court or the pitch, and I haven't, I haven't seen that. But I, because I think that would be making news, but. Again, when you have passion, PK and Riley, sometimes, again, things get a little bit uh, sideways, as Jerry Sloan would say. Um, but look, it's John's opinion, and people, people can make their own, their own decision or uh, discuss it however they want to. There you go. Yeah, that's the final analysis. Hey, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Hey, guys. Good talking to you. Riley. DJ better, DJ better be careful, man. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, we we love this show. We love this show. All right, hey, good talking to you guys. All right, that's Craig Bowlerjack. Obviously, you know what he does, what he's been doing for many years. You'll hear him tomorrow night uh, when he'll be in the arena, and the team will be in the arena, and they've got the Suns coming in. We'll see who's available and uh, to what level we can determine. That's a big game. Uh, but the Jazz have been in a little bit of a losing streak, and I think they'll get out of it. In time, they'll start winning 8 out of 10 like we know that they can do. All right, stay with us. We'll get you caught up on what you missed. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. The rules in any sport are not perfect, but I love it when teams go right to let's blame the rules and forget about the rest of the darn game. Remember that uh, what was a perceived pass interference call with the Saints game that yeah. they wouldn't right. shut up about for two years? Right. We get focused on, oh, the rules are bad. No, they're not. You're bad. Yeah, correct. Again, You're some, bad. Of the, some of the things can be fixed by just making the stop. For, for people today to be like, change the overtime yeah. rules, you're ignoring bad decisions. You're ignoring bad play. Look at them letting Kansas City score with 13 seconds left to go. Uh, them throwing it to Travis Kelsey. Of course they're going to throw it to Travis Kelsey. Correct. You're not guarding that guy? Yes. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Every day from 10 to noon on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. 
Slacker Radio Headlines there, brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call or visit Lee'sHeatAC.com to now schedule a free in-home estimate or free second opinion. Sing it with me, Riley. Lee's Heating and Air. <laughs> Lee's Heating and Air. All right, I like it, man. More the tenor. I like the deeper voice. More manly than me. You played football. I played freshman year of football. Did I ever tell you that? Freshman year. Did night. you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I moved from New Jersey to Phoenix, right? You talk about a fish out of water. I come in. I've softened, believe it or not. Yeah, you're like the Karate Kid story, really. <laughs> yeah. So I move out, and I'm not even with my parents. My parents are back in Jersey. They've got stuff to Who take care with? of. Oh, I, I have an uh, older sister. Okay. I have two older sisters. They're substantially older than me. I was a big old accident. Uh, I came along like 10 years later, right? So my sister and her then husband, whom we hated, it's another story, He they move out <laughs> to Phoenix. Clearly. Yeah. And she's been remarried for like 30-some years. Love yeah. the dude. Almost 40 years, the second husband. Um, great dude. Served in the military. Just a great person. And they move out. And um, like two years later, my parents decide we're going to pull the trigger. So we move out, but they want me to start school at this, you know, in August when school starts. They're not ready to move, so they send me out there. So I go out there, and I go to a school. I literally don't know a soul. Don't the literally, Thunderbird. Yeah, don't know. Pablo Mastrona's school, high school. The two of us went to the same high school. Yeah, it's the first year the school is open. It had been open, but they had been doing double sessions at another school. We only had to June. We had three classes, freshman, sophomore, junior, at the Thunderbird campus, 19 to Thunderbird in Phoenix. I literally don't know a soul. And I'm living with my sister and some dude who I hate, right? And I'm thinking, this, this kind of sucks. And uh, so I think, well, how am I going to meet guys, you know? I mean, I'm going to meet people. Well, the first opportunity then. Freshman football. Yeah, yeah. So I go out for football. And I suck, but I go out for football. <laughs> it was an overflowing school, so they had two teams. Really? Uh, yeah, they had two freshman teams. And uh, and so I was on the one team, and I remember first day putting on the pads, running out there after school. The varsity practice at night uh, – we didn't. So you're in the 170. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about the freshman. He can handle the heat. This is awful. <laughs> oh, dude. But Playing football in Arizona is no joke. Yeah. My first college start was in Arizona against Glendale Community College. 109 degrees yeah. at 7 o'clock at night oh, kickoff. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, People don't understand. It never cools off. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It was so hot. I just, I got, a, I got a thing from. Uh, I get the ASU uh, uh, Cronkite uh, magazine. They sent out quarterly or something, and they got a new dean. Wait, did you graduate from I the did. Walter Cronkite? Damn right, school. I did, brother. <laughs> I've never heard that before. That's great. That's great. I didn't know. I got coaches bringing that up to me. <laughs> oh, listen, Cronkite boy. <laughs> They razz me about that. <laughs> coaches, so awesome. college football coaches in town razz me about it. Uh, yeah. And uh, 
So I read this thing as Dean. He's getting a. He, he's the new dean of the school of the of the college and of the broadcast deal, and he's from I don't know Oshkosh or wherever. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the sun and the heat. Bring it on! I'm thinking you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, dude. Yeah, you you dude, think it you will know? Buckle you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had a friend visit us once from L.A. in uh, late August, and he came out. And we're getting ready to go out to a little night on the town. It's like 7 o'clock. And he goes, oh, my gosh, when does it cool off? And I say, I'm from, you know, late October, early November. And he starts laughing. He thinks I'm a smart bleep. Because he's thinking, what time of day does it cool off? In August. Right. And uh, you're like, never. No. <laughs> it's not no, I figured out. I figured out really quickly just playing a couple games down in Arizona. Also, a breeze doesn't help because it's a warm breeze. Oh, yeah. Like, it's it's the same temperature as right. the air outside. Right, right, right. So who cares if the wind's blowing? It doesn't do anything. <laughs> no. It's miserably hot. It, it's miserably hot. It just, it's just, and there's no other way to describe it. So I go out for the team, and we sucked. I think we were like two and seven. But the great thing about it was, I'd say if there were 50 kids who went out, at least 20, 25 kids quit over the course of the season, and I didn't quit. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I stuck it out. Did you make any friends? Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah, it that was the key, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was the key. Just to get, I think that's yeah. what's great about football. Actually, yeah. Yeah. Is, is the camaraderie of the sport. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. If you're yeah. in, you're in. One kid, uh, we ended up playing four years of baseball, and he was my roommate in college, and I met him on the football team. Yeah, as uh, yeah, as a 14 year old kid. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was my, uh, and I went out for basketball, and then I, and so get this. <laughs> So I go out for basketball, and again, they got two teams, and I play, and baseball season there, practice starts first part of February, because you're outside, you know, and it's beautiful weather, and so basketball season ends like around March 1st or something, and then you go out. Well, they'd already had three days of practice, or three weeks of practice, right? I go out for baseball, and there's only one baseball team. And they keep like twenty five guys, and I'm not one of them. You got cut. I got That's cu- the sport you want to play. <laughs> yes. You played football, and basketball. The sport you wanted to play, you got cut. I get cut, right? And they put the names in the locker room, and I'm going down. Oh, twenty five names, and my well, there's like three guys from basketball, and the coach who was a first year guy is like twenty three years old. He kept most of the guys who'd been out there for three weeks, right? Well, by this time. The little Italian bombshell known as my mother has moved out to Phoenix. <laughs> so, oh no, oh no! Unbeknownst to me, you got put on the team. She has a meeting with the principal, <laughs> <laughs> and I think she made him an offer he couldn't refuse. Oh no! <laughs> now listen, uh, you know those Jersey girls. And <laughs> <laughs> she's full blown Italian, right? FBI. I'm full blown Italian. So we come FBI. back. FBI. <laughs> yeah, full blown Italian. So like about three days later. After the meeting, I get a message from the baseball coach, and uh, he says, "Hey, come see me after school." Manny Rivero, Spanish teacher. So I go see him. Yeah, we, we'd like to invite you back on the team. 
Great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. When did you find out that mom had visited the principal? I don't Where's remember. The context? I, I don't remember. But there was a kid. 17 who, years later. <laughs> it's a funny story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love this story. There, uh, a kid who didn't have the grades. Uh, and uh, so he was supposedly kicked off the team. They bring me back on. Probably about two weeks later, I'm starting. And I can. Guys that are on the team that are sitting the bench, wait a second, you got cut, now you're starting. Well, I ended up playing four years of high school ball, right? right. Started all four years. Uh, and wasn't, you know, decent, decent enough high school player. Well, fast forward many, many years, going back to 2013. And Manny Romero comes up to you. Rivera. 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 Manny Rivera comes up to you and goes, <laughs> you know the only reason we put you on the team is because your mom. Well, I had found out somewhere along the line because somebody had told me. I forget. Well, my mother's having mass. Well, she, she, she passes, right? So we're going to have a funeral mass. And the priest that's down in Phoenix, I'm living here. My sister, my well, not the sister I live with, the other sister who is far more crusty than the sister I lived with, and um, she sets it up the, where they went to church, the parish, and it, she says, "Okay, well, and my brother's going to say a few words." Priest says, "No, he's not." She says, "Yes, he is." No, that's not the practice. I do it. She says, "You don't understand. My brother is speaking." <laughs> so she's your mother's daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're telling me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. And she's the she one. She doesn't care if she has to go to the Pope herself to make sure you speak. She's this the funeral. one who lived in Jersey the longest. She was the last one to move out. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. So uh, she went through college and everything and had a job, and then they moved out. So you're out. saying her crustiness, like, really it, it was got longer solidified because she was in Jersey. It got longer. solidified. Yeah. Though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. You don't mess with her. So. Um, he says, okay, after basically she says, he's speaking, Father, and you're just going to have to deal with it. Okay, okay, he can speak for five minutes. So it comes time during the Mass for me to get up to speak. And she's sitting right next to me, and I, and I look at her, and I, th- and I thought, you know, five minutes. And she looks at me, she grabs my arm, she says, take as long as you want. <laughs> so... So, I don't know. We got to go to break. But <laughs> so I tell the story of getting cut from the freshman baseball team and my mother going in to see the principal after the the service is over and we go over to my sister's house and you know you have your little gathering there. My both my sisters say we thought that you didn't know that's why you got put on the team because our mother went and saw the principal. They thought all these years that I didn't know it. But somewhere along the line I found out, but they never told me because they didn't want me to know. So they kept a 40-year secret, but it wasn't a secret. <laughs> it, I already knew it. It wasn't it, was, it wasn't revealed. <laughs> <laughs> that they did a great job of keeping the secret until the funeral of yeah, your mother. Yes, yes. Oh, wow. Where I told the story. <laughs> they didn't know. And they're that like, they... did you tell him? <laughs> yes. No, you told him. I told you not to tell him. <laughs> I know you told him. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what they happened. They got a fight at the funeral <laughs> I to over who him. told the secret. <laughs> my little, and I was always, they're always my mothers. I had like three mothers, basically, because they were way older than me. <laughs> 
Yeah, they don't sound like the motherly type at all. <laughs> well, they were. <laughs> I know, I'm kidding. In an I'm Italian kidding. New Jersey sense. I'm kidding. They were taking care of you. They were, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I also told the story where my mother at the, uh, I took her on the BYU trip, my father, when they played Notre Dame, and my mother sat right in the middle of the Cougar Club and was... Uh, drinking coffee and eating uh, the free food, and she had saved a seat for me, but she didn't know that was the Cougar Club. Why Tom Homo's up there diagramming plays on the overhead projector that they're going to see in the game that afternoon against the Irish, and she didn't know that that was an exclusive club that you had to pay to get into. <laughs> You're on the Cougar Club? <laughs> PK's a member of that? She did just, you hear that? I she, think PK just revealed is. another I, secret. I did not pay He's a member of the Cougar Club. Ma- Mama Kinahan. I'm an honor remember. <laughs> Mama Kinahan got him an automatic membership. She went in and sat down and nobody told her to get out. Did she have a Notre Dame shirt on? Uh, Sweatshirt? She, she, my father did later, but there you go. Jazz loss. That's your recap. Nobody who was anybody who played, mostly. Hopefully they'll have their starters back. So we got you up to date on all the things that matter. Stay with us. We'll close up the show next. 97.5 Toilet of the Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. This is unripe. You guys are doing a hell of a job. If you got to trade an offensive player, trade Boyan for Ben Simmons. What are you going to get from Ben Simmons? 13 and a half points. We don't want whatever. You want defense. <sighs> Stop trying to convince me of something. One won't happen, and two, I don't want to happen. Stop trying to convince me. I'm not going to do it. That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. I've dropped 134 pounds in 37 weeks on soda weight loss. It's not a fad. It's not a crash diet. It's based on science, and you can do it too. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Thrive Appliance. Every day is like a holiday sale at Thrive Appliance. Save 40 to 70% off name brand appliances. That's a lot of dough. Thrive is receiving truckloads of new inventory every day. Visit thriveappliance.com to shop for their updated inventory. The Snig Dog is off today. Riley Jensen sitting in. We sure appreciate it. Uh, some of the feedback that uh, we got somebody from your uh, Aggie land, man. And he's talking about uh, Aggie football. Aggie football. Wow, what a season, huh? Best what season, a great season. Best surprise season in the, in the country, maybe? From- well, I mean, you had to convert me to my own team. <laughs> like midway through the season. Like, when are you getting on the bandwagon? Anything under 10 wins is unacceptable, Riley. I did say that. You at, did. At that point, and uh, they ended up, uh, they get 11 they, wins. They got 11 wins. Most yeah. in the state. Yeah, so we were talking about uh, guys that, you know, were uh, under-recruited, overlooked, and Ute State Weitzman's talking about how Bobby Wagner of Utah State is a great example of that. And you look at it, he's he's going to go in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. The NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, yep. he has been. Uh, he may get traded because they need to rebuild, uh, The uh, speaking of the Seahawks. But what a career. What, Unbelievable. What a, what a player. Career. Yeah. I mean, and I think, I think Utah State thought he was going to be a really nice player. I don't think they, I don't think they saw this. I mean, it has to do with that that burn that we were talking about, right? It's, it's like, got to be. I mean, you and I were talking in the break about Josh Allen, right? Like, who, who's had a better performance and lost in a game than what Josh Allen had? 
And the only thing I could think of was Tom Brady in the Super Bowl against the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, and you had the Is stats there, on that. It was like 505 yards, three touchdowns. It was That's ridiculous. pretty awesome. Yeah. But like, what, who, who's played better than Josh Allen and lost a playoff game? Yeah, I mean, because honestly, the mental toughness to do what he did yeah. in those last two minutes was unbelievable. Twice. Twice. <laughs> yeah. So fun to watch. Yeah. Football, if you don't like NFL football, you're crazy. NFL playoff football especially. I mean, that was just a... So fun. That, that was a Chamber of Commerce weekend for NFL football. Talk about Chamber of Commerce weather. Uh, the only thing that bothered me was that I think they need to change the overtime rule. Because I think at that point, we talked about this yesterday, obviously, the situation with the defenses, they had nothing left. So the coin flip was such a big deal. That's fair enough. And I I saw on social media somebody say, well, if Josh Allen was all that, he would have won the coin flip. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he went with tails, never fails. I mean, dude, I would have gone with tails. We all go with tails. I think they need to eliminate the importance of the coin flip. All of a sudden, I mean, that's the most important. It does feel coin. a little bit. That was the most important coin flip since we talked about it yesterday. Since like 1969, 1970, Lou Alcindor was coming out of college and uh, before he changed his name. And it was the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. Now, it was way before my time from Phoenix. But after moving to Phoenix several years later, I heard all about it. And they did a coin flip in the commissioner's office. And they weren't even there. And Milwaukee won the flip. So they end up drafting Abdul-Jabbar, who, in my mind, in everyone's mind, really, is just super awesome. And the Suns then took Neil Walk, a guy named Neil Walk. I think he was out of, like, Florida, Florida State. Wasn't bad, but obviously... Not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, just one of the all-time greats, He's right? no Lou Alcindor. No, no. He's not even a Lou Alcindor, let alone Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> and that coin flip determined the... Conquer, the uh, directions of two franchises and I think that coin flip determined the outcome of that game because no de- either defense wasn't stopping the other guy and I would no have loved, loved to have seen the um, Bills get an opportunity to, to have the football you know put it at the 50 and if you don't want to mimic the college rules put it at the 50 and then you each get a possession and uh, whoever has more points wins and then you go to the second possession and so forth and so on until it's over uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have any problem with changing the rule. I, I don't think anybody's complaining about the rule per se, other than let's change it. Nobody's saying like, oh, you know, the Bills got ripped off. They're just saying, let's change it. Because, yeah, I don't care they who the won same, the game. They, say, they had the same argument with Mahomes and Brady a couple of years ago. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah Brady exact, exact same thing. Exact same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it worked against. I just want to see great football continue and not sort of be trumped up. Great football. Yeah, it was incredible. Absolutely incredible. I told my wife she wasn't watching. I told her to go turn on, come out here. You got to see this. Came There's out. very few times in my life where like I'm like, Oh my God! Like out yeah, loud, like yeah. oh my gosh! Yeah, no. I couldn't believe. Yeah. And my wife's like, "What? What are you? What are you doing?" I'm like, "Tell my kids to get in here. This is one of the best games that's ever happened." It really was. Really was. All right, Riley. Thanks for sitting in. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk to you again down talk the line. Soon. And Jake and Ben coming up next. Stay with us. Nine seven five twelve eighty the zone.